Hello, everybody. Welcome back, my fellow Westorians. It is season eight, and we are ready to get into the implications of season eight for A Song of Ice and Fire. And, you know, I think there's a an attitude out there that the farther the show gets from the books, the less we can learn about what's coming in the books. And in some cases, that can be true. But there is still a lot we can learn about the books from this TV show. Just this first episode has a lot to it. There are things that really surprised me. There were things that were surprised a lot of you, I'm sure. And there are some things that surprised Shay and Lady Gwen as well, I would think, as well. So, with that in mind, hi, Shay. How you doing? Hi there. I'm just all right. I Obviously, we are using our old microphone. We cannot get the mixer quite working when we have guests, and there are a few issues with that. Yeah, your but, life has really been all about figuring out technology these last uh, yeah, and, several and realistically, hours or days, it's, it is difficult for me to man the mixer while on these streams. So it's it's fine with me to not have to deal with that for these first initial streams that yeah, I'm guesting on. Definitely. Well, we appreciate it uh, all that work, and uh, it's going to pay off. It already did for our show only review, and uh, yeah, going forward as well. And welcome back, Lady Gwyn. Good to have you here for our book reader reviews. It's been several years of uh, having you as a guest, and we're, we're glad to be able to close it out with you. Yes, I'm really excited to be here. Um, only six weeks this time, but we have plenty to talk about. And like you said, still plenty of ways that the books can inform the show and the show can tell us things or hint at things to come in the book. So lots to talk about. Yeah, sometimes it just puts us on the right track. Even if it's not the same thing, it raised possibilities that we maybe hadn't considered. I don't know about y'all, but I had never really considered uh, too seriously the idea that Sam would be the one to tell John until, you know, last season when he's the one who found the information at the Citadel. But mm -hmm. say two or three years ago, it hardly occurred to me at all. I don't know about y'all, but... Yeah, that's just yeah. one example. Yeah, yeah. No, not really. Even last year, I thought I still thought it might be Bran. Yeah. Well, we figured Bran had to be involved yeah. somehow. Right. But, um, and he was involved still. Yeah, yeah he was. <laughs> More, and in a way that we really didn't see coming. Like, this, the way Bran is getting involved is really like, wow. And uh, I, you got to think there's a strong possibility this is how George told them uh, he had planned it. So we'll be getting into that. We're not going to start off with uh, Bran and the uh, parentage reveal, but we will obviously be talking about it. It's a big, pretty yeah, big let's, deal. Let's just not talk about it. Let's skip it entirely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> skip it. <laughs> I mean, Lady Gwen and I already have it covered, right? We're both, we're wearing the same shirt today. Now it's funny because we had a stream on Saturday called, and now it begins. And I didn't wear this. Now it ends shirt, which is a pretty big <laughs> fail on my part. Right. Uh, now it's a double fail because it's this domino effect of failure because now we're both wearing the same shirt. Actually, it's kind of cool that we're wearing the same shirt. Totally unplanned, I swear. <laughs> we weren't going to be twinsies. We're, we're, this is like the, the castle design. We're rooks and Ashe is the queen, so that's, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it we're fits. just going to start playing wizard chess any minute now. Yeah, we'll, we'll spin this some way <laughs> so it works out. Yeah, <laughs> It's even the same color. Wait, no, is that the blue one? I have the gray one. Blue. Okay, yeah. cool. I thought it's we like, even had the same color, but anyway. Yeah. Well, shout out to Jenny Slife for the uh, Now It Ends shirt that we are both wearing. That's my favorite. For people who are not watching, we're not actually wearing the same shirt, like literally <laughs> sharing a shirt. <laughs> I mean, it's a copy. Yeah. 
<laughs> that would be some trick. That would be, especially considering that you are uh, in the Boston area and I'm in the Atlanta area. That would be some shirt. Yeah, that is high technology. Mm-hmm. Okay, a couple of super chats we got uh, from Conbio Yacker. That's an interesting name. Will Dawn or any Valyrian blades appear in season eight? Well, what do you guys think? I think that they the show hasn't really made a big deal out of Valyrian steel. No, they really haven't. I mean, Arya does have her Valyrian steel dagger, and John has his, and they did make a de- uh, you know somewhat of a of a fuss about that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. other than that, not not super major. I mean, we will see Jorah. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe interact more with that. I don't know. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. What do you think, Lady Gwen? Uh, well, Sam mentions having hearts pain. Yeah, that's yeah, true. that's true. So, I mean, they're they're mentioning them. So they've mentioned three different weapons in that first episode, I guess. That's true. One other clue maybe is um, I talked about this briefly on the show only review on Monday, and that was to mention that Gendry said, "I'm getting better at this," which mm-hmm. maybe it's reading too much into it that it's going to lead to him doing more fancy things. But that's mm-hmm. with dragon glass, not necessarily with a, mm-hmm. with. But we do know the elements are there because you know he worked with Tabo Mott, and yeah. Sam has books. Maybe Sam has a book that that. Tells him what I'm to curious. do. I'm curious. You know, they also say that, uh, you know, when, when they're loading the dragon glass out, they're like, this is this the last of the wagons? Yeah, it is. Someone, mm. I, I, that's just maybe this oh, yeah. load that they brought with them. So there's a whole lot more. Yeah. But obviously with the imminent f- threat coming to Winterfell, hmm. hopefully they don't just lose their entire cache of dragon Whoa. glass right away. I hadn't thought <laughs> of that. That's a really interesting I, I don't think idea. they could possibly have mined Dragonstone. Like completely. Yeah. yeah. Like they, yeah. they just got enough. They were like, let's take this it's an interesting idea i hadn't considered them losing their dragon glass uh yeah allocation or whatever you want to call it yeah. their stash seems dragonstone stash seems too small for the amount of it <laughs> <laughs> doesn't seem like the right word so uh let's see a couple other intro stuff before we get to the rest of these questions um Definitely want to give a quick mention of the collaboration that we did with Lady Gwyn and uh, Radio Westeros there. The uh, Dance of the Dragons Part 1 is out. It's an odd, maybe an odd time for it to come out right in the midst of Season 8 excitement. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's I mean, there and it'll be there for... We're about to see for... some dragon dancing. <laughs> That's season. right. We are going to yeah. see some... I think so, so yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's... Uh, I think we're, we're pretty happy with Part 1 and there'll be more parts coming after the season. So uh, keep an eye out for those. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, well, it's not going anywhere, but uh, check it out soon if you can. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Also, let's give some shout outs to some patrons. We have done, we're doing our patron shout outs a little different for the season because the episodes are going to be longer. We need to try to conserve time, um, but definitely going to give shout outs where they're deserved. We're just not going to double up as much as we were before. So with that in mind, thanks to Jeff Gnarly, the long snapper, History of Westeros' first sword, who I think would be right up front with Grey Worm and the Unsullied in this battle, if it were mm-hmm. a real battle. <laughs> and thanks to the Dragon Rider patrons, Telenis the Talon, King of Gagasos, Rider of Telerius, the Red Dragon with scales, horns, and talons of Midnight Black, and Robert IV of House Ardeacor, Burned King of Blazewater Bay, Rider of Atroxus, the Black Dragon with bioluminescent spots like smoldering embers and a banded blue tail. We have lots of uh, Patreon bonuses you can get for as little as $1 a month. You can get our special episodes. We have three bonus episodes that are available to patrons only. At the end of the season, those are going to go up to 5 bucks uh, a month. 
However, if you were already a patron, no worries. You'll be able to have access to the episodes, even if you maintain your patronage at uh, whatever level it's at now. So, no worries. Existing patrons, you will be grandfathered in, so to speak. No, uh, you will not lose access to those episodes. Okay. I don't think I have any other announcements, so let's get back to these early questions. First off here, um, are there any plans for History of Westeros merch? Yeah, we've we're we've yes. tried and kind of gone back and forth with that. We don't know what is the best service to have them mm. printed that gives us the best percentage while also not making us just fulfilling orders all the time, let alone the design we would have. If you go to our website, historyofwesteros.com, and look at the little just text logo in red, History of Westeros at the top, let us know if you would wear a shirt that just says that and... I feel like people would, but we still don't know the best option. So that's about where we are. We yeah. do have um, con beard like ribbons. So if you see us at conventions, you can get one of those that say History of Westeros and business cards. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so maybe one day we're uh, maybe mugs and shirts are in the one of these days. But yeah, it is a it is a big whole big thing to get into. It's a lot of effort, and um, yeah, it's kind of a pain. I know you guys, uh, Lady Gwen, you guys. I, rem I was reminded of your shirts because mm -hmm. I wore my Radio Westeros shirt on Monday. Every time you wear it, you asking, get inundated with, where can I get and this shirt? And I'm like, I, this shirt, I got this shirt years ago, yeah. and I don't think they have them anymore. Yeah. Well, actually, we still, we just make them, we don't have a, like, stash of them but we can we make them like one at a time custom ink will do oh whatever. well then now people know so we <laughs> have shirts but like you we've looked into other things and yeah it's, it's tough to find that like a full merchandise it went from basically the industry kind of went from there weren't a lot of great ways to do it without having to do a lot of work yourself to a lot mm -hmm. of ways to do right. it <laughs> too many options and too yeah. many yeah this, there's <laughs> just so many shopify and there's just th options through patreon there's options through youtube yeah. there's just so much yeah and we mm -hmm. uh, one of these days but yeah. it's just uh, <laughs> it's, it's a whole thing. I, I kind of don't want to. <laughs> that's kind of the better, best way to put it. I'm like a little kid. I'm like I don't want to, <laughs> but I do want to. I actually do want to, but I also don't want to. You know, it's one of those kind of I want to, but I don't want to. Anyway, from Stephen Stark for the Mythheads, Shea is the best, and glad LG is back. Best minds in Westeros. Thank you very much, Lord Stephen Stark. Six six six. Uh, Anthony Gonzalez, there was Mel talking about a warrior with a sword. Mm-hmm, there sure was. Melisandre talking about a warrior with a sword. There it is, uh, that reference is a bit to um, that end scene. Hmm, we'll be getting into that a bit as well. From Lucifer Means Lightbringer, happy 420. Can't wait to share my endgame theory with you on Saturday, XOXO. <laughs> That's right, we're going to have LML guesting okay. on Saturday. Yeah. So no condenser mics on Saturday. No condenser mic on Saturday either. That's right. Damn you, LML. <laughs> You're stopping me and my nice audio efforts. But it's okay. But it's fun this because... This mic is fine too. Yeah, the, the point of our Saturday episodes is predictions and theories. And he has yeah, a he has prediction, it. a great theory that, we, that we, I briefly referenced on Monday, but it deserves a full treat. Also, it means now I don't need to be in that episode. So. <laughs> Lovely. From Chris Trombley. Love you guys. Thoughts on Harry's armor slash character. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about Harry. Harry I'm Strickland, so curious is. how many show-only viewers, like ca casual people, just think that's Jamie Lannister and that <laughs> the person who arrived at Winterfell is not Jamie Lannister. Like, a, probably a pretty good number. They were like, they think he's some Lannister. I mean, that yeah. looked like, if you didn't know yeah, the show very well, yeah. that looks all, the Golden Company looks like the Lannister Company. I mean, they may as well. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, actually, we may as well answer this question now. Um, yeah, he does. That's I don't know that there's a lot to say on his armor or character. It's kind of it remains to be seen what the show is going to do with him. I kind of feel like we shouldn't have much expectations there. We already correctly kept our expectations low for the elephants, and well, they knew we wanted them, and they gave us our fun with Cersei channeling our our. Um, faux frustration because we we i think we mostly knew that we weren't getting elephants <laughs> but yeah. I, i'm curious what they're gonna do with harry strickland do you have any thoughts on on harry strickland um he's not exactly a super fleshed out book character either so no no not really i mean honestly the most fleshed out thing about him or the thing that i remember the most about him um besides his feet is um his love of his elephants so yeah. <laughs> his favorite elephant is named little pussy yeah. Well, I don't remember that. Yeah, right? Isn't that weird? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, Why would yeah. you call your elephant that? <laughs> weird. <laughs> and you can see from the uh, the the way he looks, too, that the trailer was having some people wondering if he was carrying Blackfire. Because this is a very fancy sword, but mm. it looks, it really, again, it looks kind of like a Lannister sword. It's like gold and a little, maybe a little red yeah. on there. <laughs> Big Lannister vibe. Yeah. So a couple of people thought maybe that would be Bright Roar, like maybe the show would decide to bring that in there somehow. <laughs> I guess it still could be, but that seems very, very unlikely. I, I don't mm. I don't think so. Especially given what we just said about Valyrian Steel and how little yeah. they're they're messing with that. Yeah. Okay, so probably not a whole lot to say about Harry Strickland, but we'll see. We'll wait. We'll we'll, mm -hmm. we'll see what happens with him. Talk about that new intro. Shay, you have a yeah. lot of notes here. Let's uh, you notes, take over. But you guys can also take any of this as well, obviously, sure. I, I wrote. But um, there's been a few interviews with the team that made these in this intro because they originally made it in season one, and then they got to revamp it now for season eight. And um, from one of the interviews with BuzzFeed, they talked about how this, this company, Elastic, really wanted these credits to you know directly reflect the show's narrative week to week. And they said it becomes very much like a bullet point story outline of the events that have unfolded. And then they said, I'll say that there are differences in every single episode. From episode to episode, pay attention because there are lots of hints scattered around. So mm -hmm. I think everyone will be pretty excited to hear that like, there's going to be some yeah. good changes in every single episode. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, that's pretty awesome. That is really awesome because the intro has always been yeah. just – the moment the show debuted, of course, we got the mm -hmm. the intro scene, the cold open with the Rangers Beyond the Wall first, which was very solid. But then we got that intro and and the music, and it was like, oh man, this is gonna be good. You know, yeah. it's just really mm -hmm. like it, it was one of the first things that was like, oh, quality. Yeah. And uh, it's, I love it's fun that they're playing with it. Sympathy for an understanding for the mess up with Dorn, by the way, in the mm. intro before, because like they give them a list of locations and like they it, the the way that the workflow plot process goes for that team it's pretty easy for there to be a mistake somewhere there like there were other things that they talked about like if they had been given some like a heads up by hbo they would have made sure that after sam leaves old town the credits didn't end at old town still mm -hmm. or that when okay. we went to casterly rock and high garden we would have seen it they were talking about how much they wanted to do that but they just weren't given that information okay. um yeah. so I, I it was interesting um the, those interviews in particular um, to get into how it actually changed, um, so, so it used to show um, on those metal bands the Doom of Valyria, the Battle of the Trident, and Robert Baratheon being being crowned king as the three you know major mm -hmm. events of Westeros. 
And now it shows, and I'm going to have some images on the screen for you all. Um, first, the wall falling via Viserion, as you can That's see so there. Cool. Certainly that would be a large historic event yeah. in the future, <laughs> something that yeah. would be memorable. Like that wall yep. stood for 8,000 years, and now it yep. doesn't. Or and then a big hole in it. the <laughs> next metal band shows metal band. <laughs> <That's weird. laughs> the next uh -huh. one. The next one shows the red wedding. Red wedding with, sounds like a metal band. <laughs> <laughs> complete though with the flayed man, you know, holding up the wolf head and all of that, and the twins depicted. A little bit less of a major event compared to uh, compared to the, the wall, other but... the other two that we're gonna list here <laughs> yeah. uh, for sure, and then. Finally, the final metal band. Oh, I now I'm just I can't say. Can't metal not band. hear metal. Everyone's making that joke yeah. in the chat too. Uh, the final one <laughs> has the birth of Daenerys's dragons. Um, as you can see, one, two, three little dragons, and then a big dragon because she's a dragon herself. And yeah. then, of course, the comet. Yeah, how many how many how many texts and messages LML got <laughs> with that when that comet appeared there? Probably more than six. Yeah, six, six. probably, probably. <laughs> And so, I, I, one, I think it's cool for that astrolabe to change. Uh, the choice of the Red Wedding, you know, it's, it's a, it was a big moment in the show, but there's definitely a little <laughs> less uh, largely historically relevant uh, for what it's worth. So then getting into the actual credits, the first thing we see, and this is something that Jinx, right before the episode, maybe within the hour beforehand, she was like, you know, I have a prediction that I haven't seen anyone really predict, and this, and, but I, I think that this will be the case. I think the wall will show the gap in it. And we, and were we like, all oh. kind of seized on that, like, yeah, I bet that's a great idea. Yeah, I hope they do idea. that. And then, show well, enough. there it was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 Whoop, courtesy of Jinx herself. And then after that, we go from the wall over to Last Hearth. Mm -hmm. And there's some really cool, interesting thing here. Yeah, that blue there is really neat, huh? Yes, I think that blue is. I called it the ice road. Uh, yeah, the ice road. Know, yeah, the gold the road, road. The it, king's it, road. Yeah, it ends there at Last Hearth. So, oh, okay. Um, will we see it? It will. First of all, a hint that the others were going to get to Last Hearth in this episode. Now, knowing what we know about this intro being episode yeah. specific. See, one thing I think is really interesting, and I didn't notice this on my own, which is that the hill that Last Hearth is built on um, there is in a spiral shape, just like um, oh, just yeah. like that thing. They did that on purpose. The elastic, <laughs> the team said in an interview that they put this little Easter egg in there. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, right? Good job, team. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And so then we move on to Winterfell, like we've never seen Winterfell before. We see this above shot, which is very nice. You can really see, you know, the godswood and everything kind of in perspective. But in the same episode, we see another shot, like in real real life, quotes. Real life. But uh, <laughs> we get to we see Winterfell from above that isn't in the intro sequence. And I'll put it here next so you can compare. Um, which is neat to see. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of flipped. Yeah, one a lot is, more one trees. One is a southern view, one's a northern view. Yeah. Yeah, they're a little bit flipped, but still. Very That's really interesting. cool. Yeah, the Godswood is, ma is massive in, in both versions of it. And um, everything is meant to be much more to scale in this version. They used actual, like, little human, like, you know, virtual human models oh, to cool. make sure that the Red Keep and things like that were to scale, which they weren't before. They oh. were a little more impressionistic. Nice. Um, but then. We go 
further into Winterfell and see this this weirwood. Yeah, the weirwood is so cool. Yeah. Um, we see that. We go in further and we see the Great Hall, which was just a little blurry. I couldn't get a great shot of that, to be honest with you. Um, a perfect shot. But we see the crypts with a little Easter egg here. If you note on screen, you see Lyanna Stark's statue. Mm, nice. Um, and so Gosh, I, why that statue? Yeah, why that statue? But I am curious. They said it'll change episode to episode. So going forward, mm. whether what we see in the crypts will change or exactly what will change there. Mm, maybe we'll mm. see Ned or, I don't know, there's not a whole lot of other ones that would be yeah. terribly relevant. We could see Torrin Stark. <laughs> no one would know who that is, though. <laughs> So we move on to King's Landing, which again, in terms of scale and, and the, the, you know, the sept being gone, there's some interesting things there. But um, the thing that really made me so happy is the painted floor. Yeah, that's so cool. I, I'm really glad you could get a clear view of that. Yeah, and, uh, it looks stands so out nice. really nicely. Yeah, I love, I mean, I love the painted floor, period. It's one of my, I mean, I want a painted floor, so I was happy to see it there. And then we go down into the dungeons and see these dragon skulls, uh, which is pretty neat as well. Yes. Obviously. Love that. Finally. Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Dungeons or Dungeon and, dra and Dragon. Dungeon and Dragons. Just one of each. Well, there's three <laughs> dragon skulls. Oh, yeah. yeah there are more three. skulls. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then it finally ends on the shot of the Iron Throne, which now, of course, has the Lannister sigil up top instead. <laughs> and, and this is something I wanted to get into in general, I guess. Some people have criticized the marketing for the show for focusing so much on the throne. Yeah. And obviously we don't know how it'll pan out ultimately, but I, I tend to think of it as a misdirect from marketing. That they feel like everyone has mm. been focused on the throne. They want to make it more of a shock to the viewers when it ultimately really doesn't matter and is just destroyed. Yeah. Okay. So, like, focus on the throne so that, like, in the final episode or something, when it's destroyed, in the intro sequence, we see a destroyed Iron Throne or something like that. Mm. Um, mm. So I'm hoping that the, this criticism that some people had with this focus on the throne, with the hashtag for the throne ending with the iron throne yeah. when uh, th that that isn't actually how it's going to pan out right on okay yeah that makes some sense i hadn't thought of it that way that's it that's that's cool they could definitely be tricking us mm -hmm. okay um, so there's my spiel about that intro sequence basically i loved it i wish they like the, the team there wished that they gave them money every season to do it too because <laughs> it was lovely yeah that would have been something mm -hmm. but i bet it's not cheap huh no also the capabilities have just changed in more recent years like the amount of data that they have to use to create to animate this type of thing has only now become more feasible you know mm. like the, the sizes they're they're using are 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 just massive well let's ask that question then based on this um mm -hmm. do what do you guys think is there going to be a throne at the end or no i don't think there's gonna be okay no. what do you think lady gwen no no in fact i was just at, when shay was talking i was thinking going back to um that scene of the snow falling in the throne mm. room yeah from season two yes two two um, it's a long time ago. <laughs> Pretty but, sure. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they've forgotten. So, I mean, there, some things have probably gone by the wayside, but I don't think something like that has. So It looks like the chat very much agrees. There's a lot of people typing no throne and not a whole lot of yes, yes throne. throne. I don't see anyone yeah. saying yes throne. <laughs> no. 
Yeah, so there's some people saying maybe there'll be a there'll be a ruler, but no throne. No, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, breaking the wheel is referred to as something that has to stop. If you break the real wheel, that kind of maybe implies no more throne. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh. <laughs> Radio Westro says yes, throne. Uh -huh. Yo, boy, guys. <laughs> oh, <ha -ha>. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> had to do it. He had to do it. Okay, so it looks like... Uh, Got a super chat super here chat from, from Callista Cross. Oh, no, yeah. sorry. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Love y'all and your podcast. Cool. Thank you, Callista. We'll see you at Con of Thrones. Oh, we will. Yeah, we will. <laughs> cool. We got another super chat. Stephen Stark, Westeros becomes a constitutional republic. Whoa, that's that seems a bit too advanced, but I would love to see it. Someone come up with the idea of a constitution. Yeah, we need Tyrion to be like, you know, it would be a good idea, a constitution. <laughs> like, a what? Yes. <laughs> well, a constitution uh -huh. is this thing where... <laughs> oh, yeah, I could see all those sour northern lords yeah. being like, yeah, that's a good idea. And then you have schoolhouse, <laughs> that schoolhouse rock bill comes up, and he's like, let me uh, explain yeah. how... <laughs> still just a bill but and then Cersei tears him right in half <laughs> this is your shield Lord Stark a piece of paper here's what I'll do with your constitution <laughs> yeah well. so then she'd set it on fire with wildfire yeah. the episode is called Winterfell which hey why not you know it's it's full of callbacks it's it's sort of a reunion episode is the finale going to be called winter La leave <laughs> winter stood <laughs> it got back up winter got back up dusted itself off and wrote another eight seasons <laughs> oh, oh no so at the end of the episode, if we have time, we're going to go through a lot of those callbacks. We got a nice specific yeah. list. I think we we may not have time did, uh, for it. I had, we, I we had kind a of fun time a lot with it, with it because Aziz has his parallel lives, um, you know, style that he uses. So I kind of went off, and I'm sure you looked at the end of the document and saw there's mm. so many of them that you know, like, and maybe you argue make something vague enough, but I don't know. It's still really fun to to rattle them off. So we'll see at the end about that. The book the book implications for this episode. There's really Quite a bit. Um, I think we're going to focus on John, uh, John's parentage, but also um, the dragon riding stuff and a few other things. Some of the stuff down in King's Landing. We'll start by talking about the reunions because there were so many of them, and it was such a big part of the episode. Lady Gwen, you had a note here that I think is interesting, and in general, we mm -hmm. want to talk about how some of these reunions might play out in the books because they're going to happen. Yeah. Maybe not all of them, but yeah, got some of them will. Well, we, you know. I <laughs> We went and looked and, uh, you know, probably a lot of people did this. John and Arya haven't seen each other since season one, episode two, The King's Road, which aired April 24th, 2011. So uh, nearly eight years. Um, and that was the occasion when he gave her needle. We'll talk about that later when we're talking about the callbacks. In that episode, Bran was comatose. So John technically saw him, you know, he, he kissed him goodbye. That that was that scene. Uh, but technically, Bran hasn't seen John, so they haven't spoken to each other since the very first episode, which aired eight years ago today, April seventeenth, twenty eleven. Winter is coming. Aired. So um, the vibe from this was definitely full circle, uh, which is something I'm sure we're going to get in the books. I wonder. <laughs> it would have been really funny if if John said, "I haven't seen you since." You know, blankety blank, and Brand's like, "Well, I've seen you." 
like, that would definitely fit in with brand is everywhere brand is creepy uh, this vibe like, like uh, no I, I saw you though what? just like just like he said to sansa you look so beautiful at your wedding she's like what the <laughs> question i have is i wonder how many like if we could think about the things that happened in season one episode 10 Right. Do we think those things, what things we'll mm. see some a- parallels to in the actual mm. finale? Because the finale of season one might Ooh, be the one we get that's a lot an interesting of idea. parallels. Yeah. The dragons will revert to eggs. <laughs> well, like, it is true. Like, the idea that we'll see dragon eggs. Yeah. Like, that, that there will mm. still be, like, a, a clutch of dragon eggs not hatched, but with the potential. Or yeah, a no, walker, a, another white walker being seen after we think they're all gone. Yeah. You know, that maybe, would be more like the beginning of the yeah, season. Yeah, it might be more like that, but worth going back to see season one, episode 10, perhaps, mm. with that in mind. Um, mm. Once we get closer to like predicting, our, it would be for our mm. predictions episode. I well, think. if we finally see Ned's body as a white, then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that's a perfect recap, but it's more of a decap. No, decap. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that was pretty good slow clap <laughs> is the night king smart enough to skip winterfell that's an idea that sean had um i think it's possible i think it's more likely in the books i think in the books it's not going to be it may not be just a last stand at winterfell because there may be other places other castles being attacked we may hear about that uh, i think it'll be a little bit more maybe not thorough isn't the right word but expansive what do you what do you think, Lady Gwyn? Yeah, I don't know. Really. Because they don't I have mean, a leader figure as far as we know. So like one walker leading them all to one place, maybe. That's kind of part of why I don't, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I basically agree with that. It's hard to say for sure, though. I mean, they mm-hmm. could have like because there's some idea maybe that the wall could be broken in multiple places, you know. And if that mm-hmm. happens and they could seep through in multiple places, they could come. I don't know. There's They could be coming from yeah different directions or. It seems like that would be effective if they were to, you know, like like how Gregor, uh, or how, rather how Tywin sent Gregor and Emery Lorch mm-hmm. into the Riverlands, just attack wherever you can and keep them reeling. Mm-hmm. They'll never, you know, they can't defend uh, anything if if you if they never know where you're going to attack. It's the same strategy the Ironborn use. Maybe that's a little too advanced for the for the others, but we maybe certainly as see a them. strategy. But maybe as a way it plays out. I mean, it, it could play out like that. I mean, Winterfell, I don't, I don't think they're going to skip Winterfell because I I just, I think that'll be, it's important. Yeah. Winterfell's a magical place on, on a par with Storm's End and the Wall. And, you know, so I, I think it's probably something that they will have the idea that they have to, you know, attack or whatever. The same way they did the Wall. Yeah. Well, I think the question, well, maybe that's not what the question meant, but I was assuming what the questioner was asking if the Night King would have would not skip Winterfell, meaning did not attack it, but... He doesn't go. He doesn't go. Oh, As in, he, he has an attack. He still has an attack sends, there while he sends part of his army elsewhere. That he he's sends leading. his... Right, gotcha. So he sends his lieutenant, the one that... Okay, handed him the lance. One. Yeah, the, the one Iceland, with the lustrous yeah. hair. The other one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. one of the ones. How one. do we identify? Yeah, like, like, that's actually very racist. They look incredibly different. When you look closely, you can see in the rivets on their faces that some of them are a little more wizened. All white yeah. people look the same. Specious, I don't know. <laughs> These are really white people. We're very Super specious white. against the others. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, all white, you said all white walker and, people look the same. <laughs> Several of them have already been killed, and the the ones that came in to replace them 
I don't know. <laughs> Next question is from Laura Brandos. Love book to show. What are your thoughts mm. on Melisandre's role in the last season? Yeah, definitely going to be something. Um, I Keep think expecting her to come back with some people. Yeah, some, some she... people with like some flaming swords, like who can teach people. Like I don't know. It seems like people An who army are of fire barracks. priests, like they could, they would be pretty gung ho. Mm. And like we've seen some actually pretty badass priests and priests who can again teach like people how to do barrack type things. She's gone over there know. to be like they killed Thoros. And yeah. everyone's going to be pissed, and the whole continent of Essos will rise up and be like, "They killed Thoros." Mm-hmm. That's that's what's really going to—he's the real prince that was promised. But I, I do think she's going to do something important. Yeah, I mean, she didn't just leave to say, "I'll come back later," and to just come back later without doing something. Without something. Yeah, important. something or someone or many someone's. Yeah. I definitely lean towards many someone's. I can't think yeah. of an artifact. I just wanted to like she was come wearing. in clutch with like uh, streaming dresses and like robes. Like, just <laughs> she brings back like chests and chests full of amazing dresses. It's yeah. Like, yeah, you guys are going to look good for this final battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's more to my. What I'm thinking is when when does she come back? Are we, yeah, is she gonna you know is she gonna ride in next next week? Mm. You know, next episode, yeah. show up at Winterfell with this, whatever she went to get. Good question. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I think um, I think in the books, it's it seems very likely there will be a large amount of relorists, for lack mm. of a better word, coming over, mm. you know, somehow with Daenerys or George. Has George made any concrete comments on how much of a POV Melisandre will get? Like how many more? Like he said, we will get more POV of her. We do. I, mean, I don't I think we know we how many know, chapters, but we will but get more. We, yeah, yeah. And so, like the idea that we will get more, like we if will, she yeah. were to experience those sort of things, and we see that from her perspective. Isn't she the only a living POV at the wall right now? She is. That's what I was gonna say. Until John. Yeah. So there's at least that. that. And so then maybe then he's back, and then okay, Melisandre, you go do this thing that is somewhat comparable to what she may do in the show. Yeah, you kind of don't expect Mel and and uh, John to continue to hang out the whole time you know but also i don't think it necessarily has to be melisandre that goes to essos to do this stuff no it's just she's like we're not uh, i just it's just in the books we only have so many point of views which of which could see this sort of thing and so yeah you're right ones that he's not going to add new ones i feel like they're going to come with danny when they come i think that's not an unlikely thing like because they could that's their you know they have the ships the ironborn ships maybe or they have Mm. She's already bringing all these Dothraki, and she's already supposed to be the stallion that mounts the world, which yeah. part of that prophecy is uniting these different people. So Right, and she's got, um, what's the, who's the priest that's with Victorian? Makaro. Makaro. Yeah. Makaro. So they're, yeah, they're going to collect up people, and she's going to have quite the cavalcade circus of... <laughs> <laughs> with but yeah, with uh, Benero, the high, the top red priest saying and, Daenerys yeah. is Azor high. That's going to move a few people's feet, I yeah. think. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you say massive slave revolt? Massive slave revolt. You can. Great. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Next question from Chris Trombley. Can you guys see Rhaegal and Drogon holding back on on attacking an undead Viserion? Maybe meaning they're yeah. like, okay, oh, that's our brother. Brotherhood. I will say. So I just want to say, like, when they weren't eating, you know, and Danny was like, they don't like the cold. Like, I get, like, she has a bond with them, so I guess she just knows 
but also mm. they lost their brother. Like they, that's like, what I thought. Yeah. Like, they'd be depressed. Like that, that's well, a like, sad thing. Yeah. That was my first interpretation. But she was so confident about why they weren't eating, and so, like it can be, I, I feel like more likely it's a little of both. They don't like the cold, and they're also sad about losing, you yeah, know, Viserion. But so yeah, mm-hmm. I think a hundred percent. Like I don't know if I think the show will do it, but I I would like to see that. Like I think they should have a very real bond with each other. But also mm-hmm. I think maybe they can just sense like this is ice bad like enemy dragon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean we see them turn on each other pretty quick in like the yeah. the history literature. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the dances they kinda of, they kinda of reflect their right. What about that scene where they kinda like... like snap at each other? Right? Yeah. Isn't there that Blacks that... and the Greens, it was yeah. No, I was talking about like the like Drogon, Viserion, and Rhaegal. Isn't oh. there a little scene where they where they uh I don't think they snap okay. at each other. Okay. I think they were snapping at like the people who were trying to feed them. They were so unhappy with their new captivity. Okay, yeah, it was that scene. I was trying yeah. to picture if I if, if we ever saw them specifically, you know, yeah, yeah. think nip at one another. Each other. They might have that connection the same way like wargs do, you know, like the wolves yeah. sense each other. That's um, true, yeah. So, you know, they could certainly sense the Syrian and that there's something gone horribly wrong. Yeah. yeah. You know? like, not know what their bond is like. Relating to the, the them being cold, though, we certainly get a clue for that in in Fire and Blood with Alisan going up north with Silverwing, and that's sort of clarified in that sense as well. So it's sort of it's supported oh. at least as a someone's some people in the chat said the three dragons snapped at each other in season three. Did they? I don't okay, know. We'll save more so that's a show thing. That. Interesting. Like in the show, yeah, I thought I specifically remembered them like a okay. little bit of like you know just growing pains. It's, it's, you know. Mm-hmm. Might be a little more research and um, required then. We'll have to check that out. Uh, next question. Alexander Wilson, George R. R. Martin said the show and the books will have the same ending. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, as far as the basics of the ending, and he was, he, he's, it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to take him too literally there because a lot of this, I mean, a lot of the same things have happened in the show that are going to happen in the books. It's just a very, very different way of getting there and the very different way that it's going to be written. George's writing is going to be a whole lot different than this show's writing. So it's the journey, not the destination for me. So I think even if it is pretty similar, it's not going to bother me. Yeah. I mean, I picture big stroke, broad stroke things like Iron Throne is destroyed. Dragons are dead. Maybe there is a, a, the potential for dragon birth one day in the future. Certain you main know. characters are Certain have characters the same are fate alive, from book to show. Fate, yeah. But like very mm-hmm. broad and things that I, I mean, it's, it's very difficult for anyone to, to predict especially when you compare the, the books to the show just there's so many plot threads um like you can uh, yeah but the broad strokes i i still feel iron throne dead yeah you know, just just mm-hmm. gone destroyed <laughs> yeah what do you think lady gwen yeah same it's, I mean, it's come back back to something we've we've talked about a lot in the past uh, you know george gave them bullet points right because he hadn't written the story yet so he's like just beyond just the source material they have bullet points so they're going to hit those bullet points like yeah. you said journey to get there i mean it's like it's like he said oh we ha- i'm in boston we have to get to los angeles i'm gonna go this way but somebody else is gonna go a different way yeah it's, you know we it's gonna be a different journey and i look forward to the journey and you might you might get there and you both get to you you both get to boston but you get to one area of boston and they get to another one and you don't (laughs) actually get to like the same exact spot you know yes good Uh, point good point even though you're you hit that bullet point it might feel different yeah in different cases depends how you took what road you took to get there yeah yeah 
And of course, you know, I don't, we don't preach Valar Reredus because we expect people to, the plot to be different the second time. You know, you read the book, boy, this is a different ending. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's because the journey is worth repeating. And right. uh, yeah, sure, it's nice to be surprised and have fun that way. But, you know, there's so much more to it than that. Okay, uh, next question. From Tempest Brewer, who do you think the first major death of the season will be? No offense to Little Lord Umber. Yeah, <laughs> but and that of course is we'll talk about that a little later. But yeah, that's uh, this whole Little Lord Umber thing has got to go differently mm. in the books because there's different yeah. Umbers around. <laughs> Our predictions for deaths like this are a little tricky, given the predictions and not wanting to use the next time on in the trailers, which we're not trying to reference. Mm. But I'm just gonna throw out I, 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 Gray Worm. Yeah, Grey Worm's mm -hmm. real dangerous. I just he's just got a love interest. He's putting himself in, in just in in the in the way of fighting. There's gonna be fighting, you know, it seems at Winterfell. I I, I it would be sad for Missanda. You know, I, that's my pick. He's Grey Worm for now. For for the yeah. first like major death. I don't know. What do you think, Lady Gwen? I yeah, I know someone says why the black guy always gotta die first. <laughs> now I'm extra sure that it's him. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm just Sorry, thinking about dude. the battle. Like we just saw these scenes with him. Yeah, we don't want the black guy yeah, to die first. But... I actually no. don't want him. I want him and Misande to have like a lot of extended scenes. So hopefully right. he doesn't die. Because I, I don't think any major characters are gonna die in the next episode. Yeah, I think in we'll probably two. I kind of agree. I think it'll be, it'll be at the battle. It could easily yeah. be someone like Jorah or Tormund or Ed, or if they don't make Ed. it back, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I just again, I just, I, I'm not envisioning deaths in yeah. episode two. It's just that Grey Worm is already near the top of the list yeah. because he's a frontline fighter. I mean, that's mm -hmm. just as hardcore as it gets. That's that's mm -hmm. extreme yeah. danger. Yeah, it's because he's such a badass. It's you know, <laughs> yeah. It's because he's like he he's the dude that said I've never I'm never afraid of anything until I met Masande. You know, it's like is is he really not going to be afraid of the army of the dead? Mm -hmm. He might not be, but <laughs> that would also be why he might be in a lot of danger. Yeah. Next question is from not really a question, but a statement. <laughs> Call me Blondie says I think Cersei is in menopause. That's what Jamie's name should be. Call me Blondie. <laughs> 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 that's um, why is why is it menopause uh, it's such a strange word um it's not a pause Cersei's it's got nothing to do with young, men i think for menopause What's for, that? i think cersei's in general like at the age she is in the show she's a little young for what age people normally go into menopause it's, probably yeah. yeah like a little bit it wouldn't be yeah. that strange but it is a little, yeah. it would be too, a little too I, I, I think it's on the early it's path. a tough call because lena probably isn't although i don't know Maybe, yeah. but um, I, I think that's just a hilarious idea because it fits with my, I just feel Cersei in the book Cersei is just so utterly clueless. <laughs> yeah. I love to make fun of her. So I would, yeah. I would think that was hilarious if, if she was just unknowingly like beyond childbearing years, but thought she was pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a, a good point to bring up. There's the Cersei baby conundrum stuff could happen in some form or another in the books but it won't be a conundrum like we won't be wondering if she's pregnant because we'll have her pov and there won't be any maybe she's too old to have a baby talk because she's definitely not too old in the books yeah she's yeah. in her 30s she's not even close to too yeah. old yeah so yeah. so that's just not on the table so it's definitely a diff, very different look that whole mm -hmm. plot line in the books uh, for many reasons not just because cersei has probably got a bigger role in the show than she has in the books yeah. but uh yeah. It'll be more like the opposite. Like, she won't know she's pregnant. It'll be more like in her head, she's like, <laughs> what do 
wonder what's going on. <laughs> my dress well we see that already my yeah. dresses are too tight yeah it's so funny we actually have we actually have some notes on that later in the episode so we'll come back to the cersei stuff okay. we, we have yeah. some uh some 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 more thoughts on, on yeah. that whole topic from Stephen Stark, let's take a moment to remember the friggin' Italian who started this whole damn thing. And thanks to Beck, social scientist, for bringing this up. Yes, thanks, Bex, and thank you, friggin' Italian and Stephen Stark. Yeah, the Stephen uh, Mangiamelli started this show in 2011-2012, and it was originally designed just to be a call-in show. He started the show as uh, kind of as an offshoot of his experiences doing covering Lost, the show. And, yeah, he did have some... Um, health complications he had uh stomach cancer and uh he passed in 2014 the last episode he was a part of i can't remember which last episode he, he was re a part of. rejoined it us was, for our our, our game of thrones coverage episode. it was season six i think the, it was a recap yeah or some round table because it was the yeah, end of the yeah. season yeah mm -hmm. and he yeah. had to quit halfway through the episode and that was the last time we ever got to speak to him yeah um so yeah well thanks thank you steve from mm -hmm. from the great beyond uh so unsullied and dragons at winterfell is that something we will see in the books i, think, think? I think that i mean well i guess i don't know about at winterfell but i still think we will see this, mm. this culture clash will be a thing like a more mm. major thing but i i guess when i think about at winterfell in particular i don't know about getting that far north because i still think that they might consolidate like more in the in the riverlands or something mm. like that okay yeah. So you think they'll be like these armies will mingle at some point, but it maybe won't be in the north. Yeah, maybe not. Okay. In the north. Yeah, that, that's they might reasonable. Retreat first. I can see that. Look, I mean, if, yeah, if we want to talk about parallels, you know, parallel lives. It, what's the biggest castle? The one. If you read Fire and Blood, where do they, re, you know, kind of assemble when they need a place to host a huge oh, group yeah. of people? And is quite central. So you know. It could very well come down to Harrenhal again, and it's so over close and to the, over and over oh. again. <laughs> so know, close to the so. God's eye, too, and uh, yeah. And boy, what a horrible but, place for them to have to hold up. I mean, it is the thing about it; it's so huge. It does have room for everyone, <laughs> basically. But what a horrible place to be trapped for a siege. You're like, God, this place sucks. It's so creepy, it and would just be yeah, like talk about a oh, haunted man. Yeah. I like the idea though. As cre as awful as it is, to try to put myself in that in their place, it sounds like a fantastic <laughs> way to to run the story. <laughs> With winter like freezing the trident over and and the gods eye. Right, yeah. yeah, ooh, I like it. That's yeah. cool. That's that's one of the things I like about the season eight is is sure a lot of it may it might be pretty far off in terms of how we get from point A to point B, but some of the things that's inspiring us to talk about today is just really really fun and uh, things mm -hmm. I hadn't really considered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but yeah, so we see these unsullied dragons at Winterfell here, and I'm like, I think this culture clash, no matter where it happens in Westeros, in the you know in the books, it it, it will be interesting. Like they they bring up how the North isn't particularly you know amenable to outsiders, but. And, and that is true. I think they're extra against it versus the Reach, say, potentially, you know. Um, but these are black and brown outsiders to boot. So, like, we see yeah. a little bit of that, like, a little bit of it, like, with Grey Worm and Missande, uh, you know. But I would love, love, love to see more of either Grey Worm and Missande, like, specifically interacting with the xenophobia or even just a small scene with the Dothraki, like, yearning for the warm weather again and struggling yeah. with, with the cold. 
Yeah, we hope we get that in the books. Maybe I mean it'd be kind of hard to get yeah. it directly because George has said no more POVs, and that would yeah. mean, imply a Dothraki or Unsullied POV would seemingly be off the table given that. Mm. But maybe he'll change his mind, or he'll just have some of the POVs go out and have these conversations, yeah, you know. And George is very aware of it now because people, you know, he's heard these this this criticism, and um, you know, he's he doesn't listen to a lot of theories, but this is one that I'm pretty sure. He's heard, and given his gardener style, it's certainly not too late for him to to do something if he hadn't already planned. He may have already had this plan, so mm, yeah, we can't assume. So the next question is, will it be yielded to Queen Daenerys in the show or in the books? That's an interesting question. Will that will that happen? You mean again? It depends on if you if if you stack on what we said before, whether or not we think they will make it up to Winterfell. Yeah, that depends on whether it would be. I guess. I mean. Winterfell itself, like, John can bend the knee to Daenerys without her yeah. coming up to Winterfell yeah. and having, Winterfell is yours, yeah, definitely. Grace, you know. Yeah, wouldn't it have to be like, Winterfell is yours, your grace? We don't have to have that scene necessarily, but right. a but Winterfell comes under her regime or whatever. Yeah, and wouldn't it be even a better um, kind of parallel to the past? Because we'll we'll talk about the Torrin Stark element, but if, if John is coming south and actually bends the knee to Danny in the Riverlands... It'd be a much greater parallel to Torrin Stark and Aegon the Conqueror. That's true. Yeah, good point. Yeah. yeah. We've got some talk of logistics, which mm-hmm. is nice. We knew we couldn't get a lot. They just don't have time for it. But I like that they got some in there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We see, you know, Sansa as bookkeeper and Eliana, you know, who we've had on here um, at Arithmetric and who does you know, Girls Gone Canon and all that. You guys know Eliana. You know her. Um, <laughs> she pulled a quote from that lovely Rolling Stone interview with uh, George R. R. Martin. And I'll read it here because it, it merits repeating, I think, always. Where he says, but Tolkien doesn't ask the question, what was Aragorn's tax policy? Did he maintain a standing army? What did he do in times of flood and famine? And what about all these orcs? By the end of the war, Sauron is gone, but all of the orcs aren't gone. They're in the mountains. Did Aragorn pursue a policy of systematic genocide and kill them? Even the little baby orcs and their little orc cradles? Anyways, questions that George asks and thinks about, and mm-hmm. you know, they're important. And he's referenced this this theme in the novels multiple times and i mean it makes sense that the show just can't focus on that you know enough but i'm glad they bring it up because the questions of supply they they do need to be dealt with but conversely um you know even if sansa's raising these these concerns they do also need the forces to defeat the army of the dead they yeah. just need to work together That's we're getting why you a, need yeah. all kinds of people we're yeah. getting some of the worst elements not present like we're not going to see we're probably not going to see starvation and people literally freeze to death and the yeah. disease that comes with that yeah i don't um, think yeah but that mm-hmm. is something we will almost certainly see in the books yeah, i think if they showed us that in the show we'd be like how did it get to this so quickly they have to yeah. like show us like the time problem, jumps right? And, you're, you're right yeah. yeah winter is a slow onset kind of thing you don't starve to death mm-hmm. quickly i mean no. <laughs> But speaking of starving, Danny's they, Sansa says this thing, and then just a couple of scenes later, Danny validates her concern 
with that scene with the dragons. The dragons are barely eating, she <laughs> says. They, you know, they come back and they're, they've eaten 18 goats and 11 sheep. Yeah. I presume that's within a day or so um, yeah. that's been yeah. their intake. And doesn't that just prove how valid yeah. Sansa's concerns I, are? I, yeah. I, I could feed a ton yeah. of people. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I do wonder how, what Danny's stores are, what what they brought with them. They had, they obviously yeah. like, they were they were traveling with with food and supplies that they have. That they're not. She's not coming to Sansa's door like empty handed. Like, feed my dragons, right. please, in no. these armies. <laughs> but the the food they have could be used again to make them last longer or to ha- bring more people to be protected. Is what Sansa's saying essentially, mm-hmm. and also maybe. Danny's stores aren't enough to actually last herself long enough. Right. One thing will probably is it's, it's ironic that this may or may not be a problem in the books because the dragons have been seen eating corpses. They eat diseased corpses at Marine, and mm. I don't see why they couldn't. And the heck, the direwolves eat whites, so I feel like dragons can eat whites. So mm. once they have a clash. Whites. They've got plenty yep. of food. That's <laughs> could eat corpses to prevent them being whites, which would yeah. be a very handy thing. I think that's a genius <laughs> idea. I really would love it if someone brought that up. I really, it's like the kind of workaround, like sneaky thing that I really don't think I, it will happen in either the books or the show. It's meat. It would be great, though, because, you know, John's always like, Oh, all these people are going to become, <coughs> you know, an army of the undead if we yeah. just if we don't defend them. And what if what if the light bulb goes off in his head and he's like, "Well, unless no, we." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. I, I yeah, I really I at least try. I mean, what's the worst that happens? I guess is it, you know, the worst that happens is somehow it infects the dragons, but the, the mm-hmm. probably more like makes them a little sick, maybe. Like it's not it's a little toxic yeah, or rancid. They have like, all that fire had, in their blood. They some bad sick. breath yeah. or something. Dragons don't get, dragons yeah. don't get sick. They don't get sick. So like, yeah. Apparently. So. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Will we see a grayscale dragon? I wonder if they, that kind of sickness could get him. Probably not, but if they swallow from the inside. Ooh. That's where I wonder is that like maybe like dragons don't get sick, but when they eat something like that. That's sort of the basis of the, uh, or mm-hmm. one of the basis is the seas of the Tyrian uh, tongue, like grayscale eat, getting him from the inside out theory or whatever that one. Mm. I forget what that theory was called. That's not the that's not the Silent Lion one. That's a different one. What? It's for him losing his tongue. But yeah. I, but I think it's might amount to sort of the same. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, he it, could it, lose his. You know, both those theories yeah, kind of right. lead to a similar place. Yeah. 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 With his, which is Tyrion having no tongue, <laughs> yeah. which is yeah. But you could kind of see it because Jamie lost his hand, and well, Tyrion already lost a nose. He doesn't need to lose his tongue. Also, it definitely won't happen in the show. There's no way they're making Tyrion uh, voiceless on the show. That is, <laughs> that is off. That is out of the question, I believe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, someone in the comments, you nailed it. The dragons died from food poisoning, not battle. <laughs> 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 Okay, so let's talk about some of these specific reunions now that we have uh, the large-scale armies. Now that everyone's at Winterfell, we can move to some of the individual uh, meetings here. John and Bran, I guess that's yeah. one of the first ones. Yeah, this is John's you know, first experience of this detached, not almost mm. Bran type thing. Mm. And, you know, he's, he says, you know, are you a man? Almost. And you're like, you know, John's immediate impression is probably like, you, you know, he's he's being humble or modest that he's not quite an, an adult, but obviously we know he means, yeah, I'm more than a man, <laughs> as it so yeah. happens. But, you know, John gives Sansa this little, like, 
glance like is this normal for him yeah to look like this that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh only brand could make john seem like the emotional one right <laughs> yes. that's funny <laughs> he's so incredibly detached that uh, yeah i mean it's a bit sad really because john yeah. is so excited kind of you know cantering into the yard he's you can just see how excited he is once he spies brand there and then he gets this like very wooden yeah response his his, john's face really changes i love there was a a good meme going around where it's like that moment where john realizes brand is a weirdo and it's like (laughs) a smile then all of a sudden he just is what (laughs) (laughs) what is going on here (laughs) which kind of brings us to an interesting question do do, like how are other characters going to see brand when they interact with him like in the books he's pretty not only he's he's not even the three-eyed new three-eyed yeah. raven yet let alone being i guess that about raises to meet the bigger question that we've addressed in the past but merits more discussion yeah, are, you, are you pretty screen, are you yeah. pretty well confident that you think he's leaving the cave now or do you still think yeah. it could be different i still think he's leaving the cave yeah you still think mm-hmm. he's leaving the cave confident. yeah i think it's pretty okay. likely um especially given you know everything we what we learned about dark sister and yeah. seeing just seeing the show do these things i don't think this is they would go this far on their own direction yeah. you know um yeah yeah, it gets us to the hold the door thing somehow. Maybe not at the cave a door, but maybe like the black gate or some some sort of barrier at the wall. You know, it, mm. it's hard for hold the door to happen at the cave while, with him staying there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but I do want, excuse me, I do wonder um, how this will, pl- not just how people react to Bran, but how it's going to be laid out logistically in the books. Like Bran POVs, are we still going to get them? You know, we might just mm-hmm. not get, we may only get a couple more. We may, they may be like Melisandre where we just get like one or two in a book because there's just, he knows too much or, right. yeah. you know, cause like what he had, what George had to do with say Ned's point of view is just not have Ned not think about certain things <laughs> to, to yeah. make it work. And I don't know if he loves doing that. So Bran, to compartmentalize Bran, we have to just not be in his head as much, but that is up to the master. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll see what mm-hmm. he does. Any other thoughts on John Bran? John Brand, Brand John. All right, let's talk about John Sansa then. This is one that I'm a little less sure will happen in the books, but still seems, you know, we talked about some of this last season. It seems like some John and Sansa debating could happen, something like this. What uh, What do you guys think about the scene in general? Like, I mean, obviously, it's, they have a little bit of a conflict here. It's setting up what seems like maybe more of a conflict, as we'll get into later. But still, in that scene, that council scene, John looks to Sansa. Like, mm-hmm. he, he turns to her to see her reaction. He doesn't even look at Daenerys once during that whole scene. Mm-hmm. He's just, I mean, he's, he's pretty well-focused, whether it's that he's, he knows that she's not going to be happy about it or whether he actually wants to gauge her reaction or what, what whatever. But I did appreciate that depiction of, of him looking to her opinion, I mm-hmm. suppose. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, I think he's still very, um, he's very much all about his family, you know, and, and them kind of sticking together. From the political perspective, um, the framing of that scene, I thought, you know, it was very interesting because John is literally stuck between these two powerful women. Like there's this one <laughs> kind of shot of his face and he's got the two on either side of them. That's his his kind of personal feelings he really wants them to get along and he's a bit disturbed that they're not getting along but i think from his politics he's 
it's very much focused on what he and Sansa both know. And I think maybe Danny doesn't quite, isn't quite there, even though mm-hmm. she knows, you know, the reality, but yeah. And they, and they knew not to argue, you know, in her out loud there about it all. So they presented mm. a, a unified, you know, front essentially. Mm. Which yeah. is good to see, even when there's some infighting a little bit, that they learned mm-hmm. a lesson. Yeah. yeah. I like the part when, um, you know, at the beginning, when sort of Danny and Sansa are kind of squaring off, right, when they first arrive, and Bran says, we don't have time for this. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he was like, oh, ladies, you know, <laughs> we just don't have time for this. But I really feel like that was aimed at Danny because Sansa gives this kind of knowing look. She's like, yeah, no kidding. We've got more work <laughs> so yeah. we got to get her to stop caring about being the queen and really kind of like John, you know, mm-hmm. focus on what's important. Yeah. Let's uh, move on to Sansa and Tyrion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I mean, I... I one question is will they be reunited in the books it seems likely enough it seems so. like a safe enough guess yeah um but yeah one of my favorite lines in the whole episode was just sansa saying joffrey's wedding had its moment <laughs> one I, moment in I particular know, i really i'm just I, i'm just frothing at the mouth to be honest with you for just more scenes of these two because part of it's that i miss Tyrion's, you know wit and i miss mm-hmm. these kind of like you know we're Sly repl- replies to each other that aren't necess- that aren't mean or anything like that, but they can be cutting. You yeah, know, and stuff her like wit that. is replacing Olena's wit, the kind of wit we got from yeah, Olena. So like, sort I, of I want to hear this. I want to mm-hmm. see this snarking, and so like I just really want to see them talk to each other more about some of their escapades. They're both keeping their cards like very close to their chest, and can can kind of already just get a read on each other. Yeah, they know mm-hmm. what happened and that it wasn't each other. There's not much else to talk about. Like Sansa doesn't seem to care about what. Tyrion got up to in the months and how he ended up with Danny, and he doesn't seem to care about how she ended up where she is, which is too bad. I, I would like to see them just chatting away over, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a glass yeah. of wine. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there was anything like, uh, you know, like a lot of these reunions, it would be nice if they were a little longer, a little played out more, but I don't mm-hmm. have a problem with them not, like, really sitting down to discuss what happened with Joffrey. Like, they both, yeah. like, thinking about Joffrey is not pleasant for either of them. (laughs) You know, it's not just like, to us, it's trivia. To them, if they were real people, it would be, it's just just like, just like discussing something that was traumatic. Mm -hmm. And it'll just lightly bring that up. It's like, I haven't seen you in years. Let's talk about that trauma. Yeah, I mean, Tyrion recognizes the like trauma she had because when he brings up Cersei, he like softens towards her, you know, notably because, I mean, because, you know, he, he is aware of how, much of a position of power Cersei was over Sansa and like how she would would regress her back to feeling like a scared little girl and yeah. all that and I mean Sansa doesn't really give him a lot to go on they're like well, he, he softens towards her and she just kind of stiffens more it seems and just like <laughs> you're an idiot you know yeah, basically like, like <laughs> uh, just you know says you know, yeah. yeah, we should be scared of her. I'm not wrong. I'm not just a scared little girl for thinking this. Like mm-hmm. you're on, you're just underestimating her. Yeah, she's being being. It's almost like she's saying being soft about Cersei is the exact opposite of what you should be doing. Like yeah. you should be, she you should take her extremely seriously. And of course, no one takes Sansa, no one takes Cersei more seriously than Sansa probably at this point. Um, 
Oh yeah. I think it's it's knows. it's almost she's almost uh, taking Cersei too seriously, but it's good that someone isn't forgetting about how dangerous she is because someone needs to be on top of that, and it's not Tyrion. <laughs> so. <laughs> it better be somebody. Sansa's kind of picking up a lot of the slack. She's worrying about a lot of the things that no one else seems to be worrying about, and that's real. That's real leadership. And I mm-hmm. like that. I like that this way it was framed with Sansa. It it was never about her being a woman. It's never no. like objection to her ruling. No, no, really, no one's ever really objected to her ruling at any point. They're like, she's oh. a lady of Winterfell, and she's clearly capable. Boom, that's it. And I kind of yeah. like that about the, the Danny stuff, too. Even if they're they're objecting to her, because she's never been to the North. She doesn't know what the North is like. She has no idea. It's like what Umber said. It's like, what is... Mm-hmm. What do they know about the Wolfswood and the, you know, and the, yeah. the, all that stuff? Like, it's not about, it's, they're not making it a gendered complaint, which I, I like that. It's just about that they prefer John because they know him and he's from the North, which is, mm-hmm. that's good. That's good. Because, yeah. you know, this fandom gets a little, can yeah. get a little, you don't want to give anyone rope <laughs> with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm glad mm-hmm. that they took some care with that. Mm-hmm. Chris Trombley says, do you get the hint that Sansa still doesn't believe the walkers are real with all her pessimist concerns about the Seven Kingdoms and Cersei? No, I wouldn't go that far. I think she just, she knows Cersei. She understands that threat. If you think back to a couple of, maybe a season or two ago, I forget who said it. It was probably John, but it was like, you can't conceive of this problem. It's it's our minds weren't built to conceive this kind of a problem until you are confronted with it. And uh, I, it's been yeah. a consistent thing. It's like until you see the army of the dead, everyone downplays it until they see yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just, I mean, I guess someone really convinced me. I, I still, it's hard for me to imagine being convinced, to be honest. Like, I'm just trying to put myself in her shoes. I mean, I know that she has seen dragons and other magical things, but again, picture you as these. You come to me one day and you say, I've seen the army of the dead. <laughs> and I, I'm like, well, I, I probably... What I show mean, was that? I probably <laughs> would, would have you committed or would have you looked at or something. Yeah. But let's say we're like, you show me footage and I, I somehow... I, 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 if I, you're I, not I, taking this threat seriously, you're the one who needs to be committed. <laughs> so I, I, I would really have questions. And even when I say, like, I'm convinced and you have convinced me... I, you don't feel that fear. It's really hard to imagine. It's visceral, that yeah. Seeing yeah. it like the dude right. raises his hands and people come back to life, but they're not alive. It's like, yeah. You, how do you describe that? So I, I get that. It's hard for her to fathom it. Mm. And John says that he's like, you haven't seen them. You don't know. And that's he. He yeah. really hones in on the fact that it's once you see it, and that's what it was for Danny. If you guys recall. Danny was like, I'm not going to help unless you kneel. And John's like, oh, I'm not going to kneel unless you help. <laughs> Danny helped before the kneeling. She was like, okay, I see them now. I yeah. get it. And so, she's yeah, it like, I'm going to come help you. And John's like, okay, well, also I'm going to kneel. <laughs> so I think that got lost in the shuffle. Oh, yeah, he will. But uh, <laughs> so it really does seem to be like seeing is believing is really the case here. <laughs> All right. mm-hmm. uh, Dornish Dan is channeling Sansa's thoughts here very well. He says, Sansa, dear gods, why are all these people trusting Cersei? And they're t- eating all of my food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, pretty much. That is a <laughs> pretty accurate. <laughs> I mean, if you know Cersei, to have to have her at your back, you know, yeah. when when you're when you have this army of the dead in front of you and Cersei's behind you, I mean, that's you know, yeah, yeah, pretty alarming <laughs> for Sansa. I don't blame her for at all for being concerned. Yeah, she's not wrong that Cersei is a huge threat. Just just because she is maybe misprioritizing the problems, mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's a it's not a 
big mistake. <laughs> you know, it's uh, and I, I imagine she'll get that sorted out once she gets a peek at what mm-hmm. they're faced with. Denal Peoples asks, is it me or does it seem that Sansa might be going down a Littlefinger slash Cersei-like arc? I wouldn't go that far. Like, she definitely learned from Cersei, but at Littlefinger, no, she's not going to do that kind of stuff. She's more of a, um, mm. well, actually, this next question from Anthony Gonzalez, Sansa giving John advice like Kat did for Rob. That is more what it's yeah. like. Running, yeah. running a household. Yes, and, it's yeah. tough. It's yeah. like hard choices. Yeah. yeah. Sansa's learned all of her lessons from Cersei and Littlefinger, but she's she's learned what she needs to learn. She's, yeah. she's not going to be like them. She saw how she, much of their things didn't work. Them. Yeah. Yeah. She's learned what does work, what what doesn't work. And, you know. Yeah. I mean, she sits down and looks at Littlefinger's career. She's like, well, look where he ended up. I'm not going to do what he did. But she might take right. a cup. She might say, well, There's some of those things he did things. worked. Yeah, like yeah. she's learned how to be a, like how to be kind of a manipulator in a way, but you know, in a way that works. Yeah, um, I mean, you can manipulation generally has a negative connotation, but there is such thing as manipulating people positively. You know, like when you, yes. yeah, people, we all like this, this whole country tells kids that Santa Claus is real. We, you know, that's that's manipulation, but it's not evil. It's mm-hmm. not bad. It's not wrong. I don't right. think, but it's a, it's technically you're lying. You know, <laughs> but. Right. Yes. Let's talk about John and Arya. Yeah. Here's yet another I've reunion. Seen a heartfelt reunion, yada yada, lovely moment. We'll get into that. But Arya didn't show John her own Valyrian steel dagger. Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? Yeah, she <laughs> show, specifically showed him Needle, and he showed her his Valyrian steel. And, like, you think he would see, like, what's this other little thing on your waist? He didn't say anything. She didn't say anything. Mm. Dragon so, Bone Hill. Yeah. Yeah, I, so. you would think he would ask, yeah, you know, odd. either yeah. way. So that's one thing that I got to think about more and the significance. And we'll see if Arya does show him in the future or if it, you know, just shows that she still has her reservations. She doesn't, she, she's not just going to, you know, pretend that this is, everything goes back to how it was. She's learned her, she's learned her own lessons. Yeah. Um, don't just trust everyone. But also, Arya wonders how Jon survived right a knife to the heart, and he says he didn't. So Arya is one of the is Ooh. one of the people who's actually seen people brought back to life. Beric Dondarrion. Good catch! I didn't think of that. Wow. Um, along with some other people who've seen him brought back to life, like the Hound. But like Arya specifically, she should believe it and does immediately. That's a great point. Yeah. <laughs> mm, nice. Uh, so, and whatever the implications there are, you know, for the books, I do wonder if when Arya and Jon are reunited, if it won't go as happily as we envision and two yeah. whether she'll believe him when other people don't or be intrigued by it hmm. i don't know if you guys mm-hmm. have any thoughts before catch, we yeah. move on lady Gwen, mm-hmm. what do you think about that yeah no i think that's a that is a very good point she didn't seem phased by it <laughs> at all if so. i'm thinking about yeah. the books Arya really like yeah. has quite a bit of like thinking about like he doesn't drink well he takes drinks wine or when she like thinks about how he doesn't sleep and yeah. she just pays attention to him yeah you know so, so that she, like, yeah. notices like john does similar things or can tell the difference yeah you can really see that coming in the books that's a great catch uh yeah the mm-hmm. way she really pays attention to barrack and and, the, and we all have known for a long time that barrack is an analog to blood raven and to 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 john as well uh so that's that and really of course, we, I also wonder with Lady Stoneheart about whether Lady Stoneheart will see her any either of her daughters and whether again whether Arya will see more mm. people brought back to life yeah that's uh-huh. one that yeah that's a good that's a perfect example of something that's definitely going to pl- play out in the books in some way or another that we we don't get a clue on here in the <laughs> I, show is Lady Stoneheart's interactions with oh, this anyone. idea of tree hugger would she be okay with him cheating death it's the one true god is death <laughs> 
got many faces. And he's uh, cheated it. Yeah, that is a funny idea. I saw an earlier comment from Joe Magician where he says he would love to see Cersei get taken out by a direwolf for that to be her death because of Lady. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> I guess that was the first yeah. death she inflicted in the yeah. show. That would, yeah, so. that would be closing it out nicely. On account of Nymeria. Oh, God. If Nymeria. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, Nymeria yeah. got her. No. Yeah, like, you meant to get me, but I'm yeah. going to get you. Yeah. <laughs> So another thing I was wondering about, so John, you know, later wishes to Sansa that Arya had been there to support him. Or he wishes to Arya, I mean, that Arya had been there to support him in the Great Hall scene with Sansa. So one, he doesn't really realize that she might not have supported you, John, so much. She might have been more on Sansa's side at this point mm. uh, in, this, in this particular conversation. But it also made me realize that if she had been in that scene... She would have been sharing a scene with Liana Mormont. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I like the idea of that, and I hope that we have that to, to look forward to. That we see some scene with Arya's, you know, been watching Liana and her some women train. Still yeah. on that train, I want that. Um, so hmm. one one thing I was wondering was about that, but a question to pose is just: uh, Will there be a lot of people in general pushing for John to be king in the North and or of Westeros like this much, this voraciously in the books? Like because mm. between you know you have Lyanna Mormont and the Lords of the North and like Sam is pushing for it and Sam is pushing for it. There's just a lot of pressure on him and John just wants the humans to not die and he just doesn't care about this dumb chair. But uh, <laughs> so I, I feel like those are themes that I, I think he'll be struggling with i mean we've already seen some of him dealing with duty and being elected to the night's watch as lord commander and it'll just keep happening to him he just keeps yeah. getting titles thrown it's at him. true and that's a really good point because it's a segue just on its own but also it segues into our next point really well which is that he's correctly focused on the major threat but it, it mm -hmm. there's a few things that he's missed because of it he's so focused on it he hasn't mm -hmm. Paid attention to the politics and how how his relation how his decisions have affected other people. A perfect small example is their brief conversation about Lord Glover, where he's kind of upset that Lord Glover didn't keep his promise. But Sansa's like, "Well, <laughs> you didn't keep your promise, so it's not like she's not like taking Glover's side, but she is explaining his point of view. You know, which is mm. something John isn't necessarily great at putting himself in other people's shoes. Yeah, I think maybe that... into their bodies. <laughs> <laughs> but before we move on to uh, um, this this last bit about his reunion, I want to just one more thing about Arya. You wonder if he's gonna how Arya is gonna do this in the books. Like, is she gonna admit to John that she's done all this killing? I wonder. Like, I don't know. She might be a little shy about admitting that to him because he's, you know, her big brother that, that mm -hmm. you know, and, and he, he she could see in that moment that he's still kind of seeing her as a little sister. It was almost like almost talking down to her just a little bit. What do you think about all this, Lady Gwen? Yeah, I think um, that's a really good segue because he in that moment, it's really kind of sad. You know, he still he still sees Arya and Bran. Not so much Sansa, he's a little bit further along the curve with her, but he still sees Arya and Bran as the little kids that he last saw all that time ago. So he's really very naive, it struck me, in, in those reunions or in, in the way he treats them. It's, you know, he's just forgotten that all this time has elapsed and gone back to the way, you know, when you if you see someone that you were close to after a long period of time has elapsed, you tend to just fall back into old habits. So, I mean, that's what's happening here. Um, and so when Arya, he asked her about Needle and Arya says once or twice, and she looks 
pretty sad, you know, when she says that. It's yeah. almost like I, I can't. She doesn't want to talk about it. It was the impression I got. And then, you know, his not comprehending brands. Yeah. Oddness. I, I really think he's underestimating the ways that all three of his siblings have evolved and what their capabilities are now. Um, and, you know, he's got quite a ways to go before he kind of figures out where they're all at right now. Yeah. It's, it really reminds me of Ned uh, in a lot of ways. Ned was a wonderful protector. You know, I have very few complaints about him in general, but if you want to get nitpick, you could say he wasn't super aware of his hmm. kids as people, you know, like what they were interested in, especially his daughters, uh, like Ari and Sansa. He, he says himself in the show, like war is harder than daughters is because he's not this, he's not very good at understanding what they, what, what drives them as human beings. You know, he didn't get Arya's, he kind of understood that Arya was like Lyanna, but he kind of was, you know what I mean? He kind of came around on that kind of slowly. I mean, how um, much did he really understand Lyanna? We don't know. Good point. Yeah. He may not have, that's a great <laughs> he point. He may have loved her, but he may, he may yeah, accepting he, of her, but still. And he, yeah, he didn't understand why she didn't love Rob, like, well, he didn't get yeah. why she didn't want to be with Robert and was like, yeah. hello, like it's kind of, that should be kind of <laughs> obvious, right? So sure. he's a little not shallow, but he doesn't get that. He doesn't understand mm -hmm. like that. It seems like it's a, yeah. maybe more consistently applied to how he sees women. He doesn't get certain aspects of womanhood, maybe. I don't know. It's just... It makes sense. Men's roles are simpler in his mind. You know, they're all, well, mm -hmm. get trained for war. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> but yeah, in the scene, yeah, Arya calls Sansa the smartest person she's ever met, which, uh, you know, one shows how... My little she you know underestimates like she she has a, a good gauge of Sansa's worth and merit yeah. and all that but two it makes me wonder what does Arya think of Bran what does Arya you think know, of Bran what is yeah. her perspective on it if she would have a conversation about Bran what would she say would she like everyone has to have an opinion like he's a little off you know like and i don't feel like anyone's really gotten concrete answers out of him or, or pressed him enough to be like what's what's up with you yeah yeah i think maybe that mm. maybe there would be something that would be explored more in the books maybe more conversations yeah. with bran could happen mm. and maybe that's what we see because remember earlier i was talking about how are we going to see bran is, is it still going to be his pov well it won't all be you know bran's not going to go through like five different povs where he meets sansa that meets Arya. like some of that will be on the other side of it and maybe maybe most of it will be on the other side maybe most of it will be john will get john's pov when he reunites with bran and we get Arya's pov when she reunites with bran we get yeah. sansa's pov when she reunites with bran rather than it being on bran's side because that yeah. might be harder for george to write that makes, that would make um, some sense. For other reasons, too. But just because of the difficulty, it might be yeah. easier to do with. And that's more of like our side. It's like more of like, we're the, we're, the, we're the people. We would be Sansa. Like if it's Sansa and Bran having a conversation, we're going to be like Sansa because we're the human being that's a normal human being in a sense. So like it would be kind of odd to have Bran's perspective on that. I mean, George could do it and he could pull it off. But I kind of lean the other way. Mm -hmm. mm. I also think in these scenes, like we talked, we touched on before, it seems to set up this conflict between the Trueborn mm. Starks and John, but yeah. I, for one, I, I can't really see Bran being party to any of that. You know, he's just he's not going to play with play with that. No, he, he's just he, going to he'll put a kibosh on it. It goes against like, the whole. Uniting. You know, and so I I. I absolutely don't think it will pan out i think maybe there'll be a, a couple tense moments and some arguments or something but that's about it 
So I was wondering if there was a chance that it would, you know, potentially be more of a conflict in the books where they have more time for it, that this will be more of a heart-wrenching or frustrating or some, there will be some slight betrayal mm. um, between these Starks. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I think that one of the things that's going to happen in the books, it, this is relative to the so-called Grand Northern Conspiracy, which also kind of answers what we were talking about earlier about people calling for John to be king in the north. Uh, I think you're going to have various groups that are actively trying to set this, them all against each other. Or, you know, this one is for Sansa, this one is for Brand Rickon, and this one's for John, or what ha what have you. We, and we've already seen this in the show, kind of with, with Littlefinger, trying to set them against each other. But I really think the Starks are smarter than that. You know, they, they don't really need to be reminded about the the pack surviving and all that stuff so i think it's going to be an external thing people trying to drive them apart for whatever political reason they know what the main what their main focus needs to be i think for the most part of it but we will have john's emotional conflict because of his attachment to danny and i think not even his political sort of i don't think he views any of the politics as really important i think it's more the question that sans opposed to him did you bend the knee because you wanted to save us or because you love her that's i think going to be john's big conflict and hey guess what that is that's the human heart in conflict with itself <laughs> there this, you go figure <laughs> this heart has more conflicting with it because it's been stabbed also Yes, right. <laughs> it's incredibly conflicting. This heart has already got a lot to work with. Uh, it's already leaky. <laughs> yeah, that's a great take, both of y'all. And we have a lot more on John and the Starks being pulled in different directions. And we have some parallels with that planned for the second, quote, half of this episode, however long we go tonight. So we're going to take a quick mid-roll break here, but real quick, another another super chat from Chris Trombley who says, Jaharius the first was not good with daughters either. Very good point. Yes, he was not. He's notably bad with his daughters. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was notably like, like wow, Jaharius is so good. And then it's like he also was like really buttoned up when it comes to their their agency and their sexuality mm. and all yeah. of this. Yeah, very anti-progressive. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's just like, ah, girls. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> something to do with it. I mean, he did have an interesting style. You know, how he was raised was, I, I get, you could see some of it, but also not quite. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting. Mm. Yeah. And I also wonder, Ned, growing up, like, he grew up with, you know, John Aaron, like, what girls was he around too often? Good boy. Yeah. Yeah. Who, yeah. which girls were there? And, you not know, also, really. he didn't yeah. really grow up with Liana for a lot of it. Being the opposite of his brother, kind of like being the, the non womanizer of the, <laughs> of the family. <laughs> okay. So let's do some mid roll shout outs and we'll come back with a lot more about John and we'll talk more about Sam and Danny and the reveal of his parentage because that certainly throws a monkey wrench into this whole politics thing. And man, like I said, we got some really fun parallels for you. I think I think the second half of this of this stream today is going to be even more chock full than the first half. So don't go anywhere. <laughs> I want to give a, a shout out to a new podcast called Vanished, and it's about Amelia Earhart. Uh, Amelia Earhart. It's called Vanished Amelia Earhart. In fact, and it's a limited series on the life and disappearance of Amelia Earhart. The host, Chris Williamson, spends the first half of the show on her contributions to her field and to the advancement of women, and the second half. Um, 
Kohel Kohi, master of the bow called Sunpiercer, yes, this is her podcast, mm-hmm. uh, is the legal analyst for the show, and she is uh, going to have a mock trial, that's part of the show, is they're going to hold a mock trial to test all the evidence regarding Amelia's disappearance with guest speakers, quote unquote, testifying on a variety of topics related to this mock trial. So that should be a lot of fun, and I believe it's either out now or about to be out. So check that out. Uh, of course, as you heard the Patreon name, Jennifer is a uh, supporter of the show, and so I was very happy to give her show a shout-out, but it sounds really interesting, too. Um, so definitely check it out. Also thanks to Vorsaki, wielder of a Valyrian steel arak with the Dragonbone Hilt, and Kokavo the Tamer, wielder of the Wildfire Whip Gehenna. Uh, also, shout out to our sellsword captains. That would include Peter Blaze of the Emerald Isle, captain of the Werewood Wanderers, to long lives, quick deaths, cold beer, and warm women. Dagron, Marshal of the Axe, is captain of the Red Tide. Resistance is futile. Chiron Callsbane is captain of the Stone Shields. The torrent breaks upon the stone. Hema Helminth is captain of the Whispering Children. Dead men tell no secrets. Shepard is the Shepard of Essos. All men are sheep before the Shepard. Heir to the Whispering Children. Lady Lajara Dajo is the Iron Lily, Master Archer, Castellan of the former, uh, not the former, the Summer Island Keep, Arboreal Point, Captain of the All-Female Wailing Widows, Women and Children First. Cody the Crimson is Bastard of Bracken, Captain of the Red Waste Exiles and Recruiter of the Free Folk. Cameron the Hammer of Hornwood is Captain of the English Lions with the motto, Honor is the Reward of Virtue. Lord Brandon Brewer of Castle Black Rune is Captain of the Shadow Wolves, Our Steel is Cold, Our Vengeance Colder. And Black Alexand is the Bastard of Spears, leader of the Bermuda Vanguard. And, of course, we did the Salesword Captains today in honor of the introduction of the Golden Company to us uh, to the TV show. Let's move on. We have a question from our very own Lord of the Bricks and Castle Crimson Light. Does anyone else feel like Benioff and Weiss are the hosts at a party that ran too long, flicking the lights on and off and kicking everybody out? It feels like they have a checklist and just crossing the items off one by one. I was looking forward to those reunions and introductions, and it all just feels so rushed to me. Sorry, I'm missing the live stream. See you all at Ice and Fire Con. Yeah, see you all at Ice and Fire. Yeah. See you at Ice and Fire Con. I, yeah, I do agree, <laughs> to be perfectly honest honest with you. And I think they knew that they have a window in which that they're hot. They're going to get Star Wars films, and they did. And they want to do their own projects, and this is hard, hard work. I think that I really, really wish that they could do what other people have done in the past, which is... Pass on the reins to another showrunner. Yeah. You mm-hmm. set the tone. Like you can, you can switch it up. There can be multiple for a right. show like this. You can still, you can pass it off to three people. I, you know, don't get me started on that. But no, you make the decision you make. And they felt like it was their baby, just as like in a way that George does, and they had trouble doing that. Which like mm-hmm. I can, I can relate. I guess. Yeah. No, I totally yeah. agree. They're racing towards the big plot points and having to skip mm-hmm. a lot of the character moments, which is part of why. We're we have a lot to look forward to with the books because we're going to get all that and we're not going to it wasn't, you know, uh, it's still coming. It just won't be on TV. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I agree. But I guess I would say I'm not surprised. I don't think a lot of people are surprised. And me personally, I do think that within our lifetimes, we will get another adaptation of A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. In, in whatever method. Maybe it'll be animated. Li- animated cool. But either way, I think we'll have another shot. I, I personally. Yeah. I hope so, too. Um, so Anything yeah. to add to that, Lady Gwen? No, I think that's. I think it's right on. We've been talking about pacing and bullet points and stuff like that for a while. It just, that's, you know, when they made that decision not to go 10 seasons for whatever reasons, yeah. personal, personal <laughs> and <laughs> otherwise, here we are. Right so. on. 
Yep. Okay. Let's um, we can save uh, Jamie Brand for later because it just basically just basically started to happen, so we can yeah. save mm-hmm. a lot of that. I um, say I love the brand memes. Yeah, the brand memes so are really much. fun. They're yes. really, really, really yeah. funny. Uh, I, I like Brand a whole lot more now that he's just a really funny meme. Uh, so I will say that. Um, and sh- we'll say that John is definitely channeling the. We're getting some history here. He's the new mm-hmm. king who knelt. Torin Stark yeah. knelt to Aegon the Conqueror. And if anyone is like Aegon the Conqueror, it's Daenerys Targaryen. So uh, yeah. that is quite a fit. And uh, I don't know that there's much else we can take from it. Um, no. Torin's family was against him kneeling, but he got his way. And mm-hmm. uh, the only other thing I could think of that's relevant was that a sellsword company formed from northerners who weren't happy with this and they left. But I don't see how that's going to... I mean, maybe people will flee because they're scared of the undead, but <laughs> mm-hmm. that's got nothing to do with John. Yeah. So this is pretty similar. I don't know if there's a whole lot to say other than to, to draw attention to that parallel. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the dragon, dragon ride. Let's talk about that briefly. Yeah. I... I guess I never even considered the possibility that, or not, not seriously anyway, that he would ride a dragon before finding out who he is. On the other hand, Brown Ben Plum. We got that, that spot, which has long been a pretty clear foreshadowing for someone else to have their dragon blood detected. Maybe that's what happens. And frankly, we sort of got it already. The dragons kind of reacted positively to John. On multiple occasions, mm-hmm. he was allowed to touch them. You know, they kind of... They seem comfortable with him, which is a little, you know, it's not explicit, but it's kind of there. What do y'all think? Go ahead, Dan. <laughs> I was just going to say that, yeah, I've always thought of it as being like a, the, dra- the we would see the dragons reacting as a way mm-hmm. to tell if someone mm-hmm. had Targaryen blood, but not that they would just ride the dragon without, you know, investigating like, well, this mm-hmm. dragon really likes me. Do I have, and oh, I have Targaryen blood. I, you know, I, I saw it happening in a certain way. Yeah, you, I suppose yeah. that's true. Yeah. yeah, this great imagery of the waterfall at the end of the scene is really cool. Um, yeah, I will say that. Despite, um, I'm going to give this spiel because certain people specifically wanted to make sure that I complained on behalf of everyone. <laughs> but and I want to I want to I wanna say at least we got some lovely imagery here. I like there's good things. I can be positive, but. I, I this dragon riding scene ultimately infuriates me due to just the continued idiocy of the idea of just holding on to a dragon, it, mm. it, you know, as well as the dragon riding CGI itself, which in my opinion looks poor now, and I don't think it's going to hold up very well in the future. But I'm going to tell myself, and this is in response as well to a, we got a super chat here from Chris Trombley who said, "Will we see dragon saddles and whips?" No, they've passed that point already. Yeah. But I'm going to choose to believe that they have sticky horns that activate when someone they like gets on them. And <laughs> that's how you know. <laughs> so there we go. That that's what I'm going to tell myself, just because it it is completely ridiculous to imagine mm, yeah. staying on it. Um, yeah. So, you know, other people have complained about the tone of this scene, you know, a little bit of, of you know, it's a little bit rom com It didn't bother me quite as much. Um, mm. I personally really liked seeing Danny a little bit looser and more lighthearted for once, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, she was also, like, very smiley when they first arrived at Winterfell, if you, you yeah. know, um, she yeah. kind of in a smug way almost. But all of this painted this picture of someone who is happy, in love, feels like things are going her way, 
And uh, I don't know, I liked Danny more a little bit in this episode, or I felt she had more dimensions to her than I normally do. Right on. I guess. Mm. And uh, Lady Gwyn, you had some great notes on the, the cave and the callback to a grit here. Yeah, I did. Um, that, you know, I think there's everybody probably felt that when she said we could stay here a thousand years. Oh, that yeah. it's, mm-hmm. It is. Um, I had the quote here where um, Egret says, I don't ever want to leave this cave, Jon Snow, not ever in A Storm of Swords. So this, I, I think that Jon's relationship with Egret does in some way prefigure his relationship with Danny, um, especially if he bends the knee to Danny. You mm-hmm. have him breaking his vows with a woman um, <laughs> in a similar, you know, it's a different different way of doing it but there's you know it's a situation where this woman comes along and convinces him to do something that he probably shouldn't be doing and then if danny's going to die it could end up very much like egret's death when she calls back to the cave we should have stayed in that cave i told you so and he says we'll go back you're not gonna die and she says oh you know nothing Jon snow and dies in his arms which i have to say that I have a feeling that it's going to go that way. And some people criticize this aspect. I think kind of maybe loyalty to a grid or maybe also not liking the rom-com feeling or what have you of it. Um, I'm sure there are different reasons they criticized it. But I think that this idea of someone, you know, being suddenly reminded of a lost loved one is one that really rings true for a lot of people. It's this jarring feeling at best. And Mm -hmm. it made me feel for John in that moment. And he plays it off like really well. And still yeah. gives her a kiss and doesn't like say, actually, you just made me think of my dead girlfriend, <laughs> um, which kind of ruins the mood. And like, I, I wonder how much he's told her about Egret. Like, how much ha- have they told each other about their past lovers in that period? You know, Danny's had some, she's lost, you know, Drogo and he's lost Egret and they could have bond about these losses, but I, we don't see their like bedroom talk, you know, when they're, mm-hmm. you know, like they, they, I'm sure they, they stay up late some night and have talked about some things, maybe. I don't know. So I, I, I didn't mind it so bad, um, ultimately. Like, uh, John, it's really sad. And I think that's how it yeah. would be in the books. That, like, even if he has a romance with Daenerys, it's not, it's it's going to go poorly, just like his past romance. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree. Because yeah. it's, uh, and, and this is something we are going to get into a little bit later as well, talking about all the, some of these parallels that John has and uh, talking about how, something you brought up earlier, Lady Gwyn, with uh, his heart being in conflict and how that might be what Bran is trying to avoid, is trying to keep John mm-hmm. from, from having that conflict. Yeah. But more on that later. We had a quote here, too. Like, you know, Davos is trying to set up this marriage. He's, like, suggesting that they get married. Yeah. And they, they bring up, uh, what if the Seven Kingdoms, for once in their whole <laughs> shit history, were ruled by a just woman and an honorable man? Well, Naomi Makes Art, who we use her artwork in our episodes, you'll recognize that name, had a funny tweet where she brought up, what about Jaehaerys and Alisanne? <laughs> yeah, they, they, uh, there's, there's just different history. I mean, yeah, there's a Magor the third true. in this world. But I still like the idea you know, <laughs> to, to think about the, that. Anyways, yeah. worth mention. And uh, um, another thing that I wanted to bring up here, however, is we see that scene, right, with them kissing, okay? Mm-hmm. And Drogon and Rhaegal are watching, and it's comical, ha-ha, and my mind was spinning about whether the dragons would maybe take some 
cue some hints from their riders because this is each of their riders getting busy mm-hmm. with each other. And so whether <laughs> yeah. that would me- may, you know, make it more possible for them to, to mate. Mm-hmm. I'd like the, I, I like considering the idea of them mating. I'm not so sure that this would have anything to do with it. I think yeah. they're just creatures and I think they are just creatures. takes over, but, um, but no, it's cool. But I like the idea though. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Jack uh, had the same thought during yeah. the episode. About, like, I don't know, like just yeah. they're watching their master, their owners, their riders <laughs> kiss, and then they're like, "Oh, I don't know," because again, because dragons change, you know, they change gender. Sure, I don't know. Yeah. change sex. Super chat from Dornish Dan Valyrian Velcro for your dragon riding needs. Yes, <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. we can we can answer a question that was hotly contested during some of our live streams too. Here, oh yeah, the um, CGI, yeah, the CGI. When we went over the trailer, people were really mm-hmm. arguing whether they would not add the CGI, and yes, they would. Um, here's a shot from the trailer that shows Rhaegal. <laughs> you clearly can see no no one on Rhaegal. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at the next shot I have here, this is the exact same still. Like I got the exact same shot um screen capped it and you can very clearly see john um <laughs> and it's easy enough for them to do i was on board i was like of course they could do that and they should do that yeah um mm-hmm. wanted to clarify all right uh super chat from callista cross hi again excited to see you guys at con of thrones do you think we'll get a small sansa slash the hound reunion or is that too much to ask for i figure we got to get a line or two they gave Arya and and, and the hound a, a 30 second reunion it's so it's so easy to do so I mm-hmm. hope we get it. Um, but, you know, there's a chance we don't, but I think that would be an oversight, it seems, because it would be so Dude. quick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about Sam, Danny, Jorah, and then Sam and John. That's uh, a really huge part of this episode, and it obviously has huge implications for the books. It starts with Danny confessing, not knowing that she's confessing, just, wait, not mm-hmm. Randall Tarly. <laughs> it yeah. starts to dawn on her. She has no idea what's happening. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it was a pretty cool way for it to happen. And, you know, Lady Gwen, you, you have a note here. Do you think that maybe this thing like this could happen too? Maybe Randall Tarley could be killed by Danny yeah. in the books as well. Yeah, because I think um, we expect that Randall Tarley will declare for Dagon, Aegon the sixth, let's call him, which is confusing now in terms of the show. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but if that's the case, and then, you know, we think that we'll see Danny and Aegon facing off, then I don't see why you wouldn't have something very similar uh, happening in the books. Hmm. And I also wanted to add that for what it's worth, I think that Danny was very disturbed when she realized in that scene, you know, some, I know what, um, well, what we're about to talk about, because yeah. you have this, but I, my opinion is that she, you know, she is visually, yeah. you can see her face kind of fall and then she, you can almost see the wheels turning where she's like, well, I guess I better, uh, I guess I better eat this pile of horseshit because <laughs> you know, if, I, if I do not confess the, to this right now, you know, he's going to find out later and, you know, doesn't get any better. So and now I'm picturing like a, a Westeros beat version. <laughs> <laughs> what Danny says behind the scenes, just foul mouthed. I don't know. <laughs> That's very funny. Yeah, and so anyway, with this, there is an interesting interview here um, to Joanna Robinson, who we've had on our show. She does Storm Spoilers, but for this series, she's doing a series for Andy Fair called Still Watching. And John Bradley, who plays Sam, said um, he's talking about Daenerys in depth, and he he's a bit critical of her. And he said that, you know, after everything she's gone through and that she's withstood, 
the person she is now, she doesn't seem to have that heart anymore. She seems much more, in that scene especially, she seems psychopathic almost, and she seems to have regressed in terms of morality so much that I don't know what Jorah thinks of her anymore. Personally, I did originally think of her as seeming disturbed, so I like, agreed with you, but when I read his take, I I rewatched it and tried to like look at it from his perspective, and it, one, maybe speaks to how poorly Sam will continue to think of Daenerys as mm. the season goes on, but on a rewatch, she does seem a little bit like, damn it, it's always something. I can't do anything right. Less than she maybe does seem like actually torn up about Sam himself. Mm. Like she might still be like upset for herself. Like I can't do anything right. Yeah. Then she does feel like heartfelt for him. But I, I you know, I, I certainly don't think things don't think that she seems psychopathic almost. No, that's so, too uh, far. Very, but like, it, again, speaks to how Sam is not super fond of Danny, I yeah. guess. Yeah, psychopathic mm. is definitely the wrong word. Uh, there's no there's he, no argument there. I think he might have meant sociopathic. Yes, but regardless, which the is, idea that... closer. It's yeah. subtly different because it doesn't necessarily imply, you know, an, an evil intent. It just means more like self-centered. She like care, she's, yeah. just, she's just approaching this as it's all about me. Yeah. You know, like... Uh, so, I mean, then that could be his perception of it. So I never really, like I said at the beginning, I never really considered that this would be the way it would go in the books. Uh, but it's compelling for a lot of reasons. The more we dug into this, the more parallels we found, the more things that line up really well, the more things that work, and the more things that would create historical parallels, which we are always on the lookout for. And it creates so many of them that, well, it just, it looks really strong. Uh, for one thing... It immediately casts Sam's manipulation of the Lord Commander's election in a major, majorly different light. It becomes foreshadowing for him manipulating a bigger situation. Uh, and of course, he has experience with this already. It makes him quite a bit like Bitter Steel. I'm going to call him Bitter Sam. And that it describes him pretty well. He's mad. He's angry at Danny. He's bitter over his family's death. And he's lashing back out at Daenerys. And uh, it's going to have some sort of impact i just wanted to I, I was curious um if there were if we wanted to pause it if people could think about any other any other characters that john is close to that could you know with the law of conservation of characters the idea that it isn't sam that there's someone else close to him in general hmm. yeah i thought about that i, I, I just I, wanted to yeah, propose it to the, there, to, the, yeah. to the chatters yeah, in general to think missed. about um in general when we bring about bring up these things well the thing is the thing that really hit me was that brand brought up that no he's your brother and he's your friend he's the person that you can mo that makes the most sense to hear it from because it's going to be hard to hear mm -hmm. uh i think a lot of us have long thought oh hal and reed could be the one to break the secret but john doesn't know hal and reed he might respect him because he was his mm -hmm. father's friend but the idea of Sam being the one to tell him is very compelling for those reasons. and uh, But I'd never considered that Sam would do it in anger, which is really neat. So here's, here's so many things that... Here, let me list off a bunch of things that become parallels if this, if this plays out this way in the books. And there are already parallels now in the show in their own way. We, for, first of all, I coined the term Firebrand for Fireball and, and to go along with Bitter Sam. And then we have San Shiera Sea Stark for Sansa and Shiera Sea Star. So imagine... Sam going to tell Sansa about this. What is her reaction going to be? Just think about that. Like she, she could seems like she wouldn't be hard to bring over onto his side. For John should be in charge here, because uh, she already kind of wanted that. So it would make sense. So this is a comparison to Damon Blackfire rising up against Daron the Good. 
it's the same situation where you would have a king, a, a claimant rising up against a, someone they had already knelt to. So John has already bent the knee to Danny. So this would, if he does rise up against her, which to be fair, I do not expect to happen. But the parallel situation is still exists. You have John playing the role of Damon Blackfire here, which fits really well because his name has long been thought to be Eamon. You know, of course, the show is calling him Aegon, which is definitely possible in the books as well. But Eamon, Damon, you can see that's pretty close. He dresses in black because he's a Night's Watchman. So Blackfire, kind of, you're going to get that. And then you have this bastard situation where Damon was a bastard, but he was Targaryen on both sides, but he was legitimized. And John in the book... We don't know whether Rhaegar and Lyanna will have actually been married in the books or not, so he may or may not be a bastard. So he's kind of, they're both kind of like bastard-ish. They have that thing hanging over them. Then we have this fun kind of uh, comparison to Damon II, Damon II Blackfire, who went by the nickname John the Fiddler. Jon Snow is not Jon Snow's real name either, just like John the Fiddler is not John the Fiddler's real name. Even more parallels here. One of the main complaints against Daron the Good was that he was too friendly with women and Dornish and, and musicians and maesters. Well, that's similar-ish to the complaints leveled at Danny that she's bringing in foreigners, that she's bringing in, uh, you know, Dornish. In, in fact, Dornish are part of her army, so that's a, that's a thing as well. And uh, that's a lot of parallels, right, guys? Like, that is a lot. That lines up, all of a sudden, this Damon Blackfire story, which lined up pretty well with some other stories, now could really line up well with John, which would just fit, not only fit really well, but just be really cool. So in that sense, hmm. it's got my head spinning because it's it creates so many book parallels. It's like, wow, that is a lot. So uh, Remember Kat warning Rob again about Damon Blackfire. This is the first time Damon Blackfire is mentioned in the in the book series true is in reference to john being named um rob's heir so so the confounding part here is even though it lines up so well we're missing the whole fagon plot uh from the yeah. show and some of that could be what we're seeing here this could be like a parts mm -hmm. of the fagon plot mixed with parts of danny john's thing so what do you like how do we think that hal and reed could fit into this into the sh into the books in a way that he hasn't fitted to the show because obviously he's not that likely to appear he definitely could but I i'm not holding out hope okay well let's let's run with this idea that maybe there the the last stand happens at Arenal. okay you yeah it, it's not um so then you're you're not that far off from you know where howland could appear there i mean his first recorded appearance in the story it was at Harrenhal. Um so I think, you know, there's there's the possibility that he just shows up and he has some information. I expect at that point we'll have been getting information from various sources. Kinda like Bran and Sam pooled their bits of information. I think it'll be a lot more different bits that we'll be pooling. If I could jump in just for a second, you make a great point about Harrenhal if um if that's where humanity has sort of fled to, well, the neck won't be inhabitable anymore. It'll be frozen just like uh, mm. a lot of the north. So he'll have had to leave Greywater Watch by then if he hasn't already. Right, right. Yeah, it's a good point. And they'll be able to just storm right through there. So Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I did. I wanted to say that it's just thinking about that in terms of this reveal in this episode, and it didn't occur to me in the, the first time I watched it, but then afterwards thinking about that, it did kind of highlight um mira reed's kind of unceremonious departure 
from in the show. Yeah. You know, it made me wonder, you know, just where, where is she gone? Is she, is she ever coming back or was that just kind of it? She just rode off into the sunset and that's, that's the end of that. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a few characters like that, that, you know, um, but yeah. I'd like to see them come back. So that, that's just a kind of yeah. I, um, <laughs> sidebar. We, we, we knew we knew some of the actors that would be back this season, and I don't remember if she was on the list. And we don't want to say if she was, even if we did know, we because we're, we're not we're not talking yeah. about yeah. it. But uh, I, maybe yeah. should, I maybe should look it up for my own knowledge. <laughs> yeah, that's that would certainly give a lot away if we did. Definitely. One one parallel I I missed here that I meant to list I skipped over by accident is that. You have parallels to both the Black Fire Rebellions and the Dance of the Dragons, kind of uh, subtly referenced here, with John having a green dragon and Danny having a black. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you have the other part, which I already mentioned, the Black Fires. John's parallel to Blackfire, uh, to Damon Blackfire, and of course Danny being the the red dragon. She's already just the, the representative of House Targaryen, so that that does not need further explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's move on. Uh, Shay, you have a note here about Sam yeah. talking to yeah. his family. He, he needs to write a letter to his mother and sister, for one. And, when, and then when are we going to check in with Gilly and little Sam? I feel like he should go run and cry on Gilly's shoulder for a bit and get a good cry in. Um, which yeah, is one of the things really I, I love about right Sam away. as a character. And, you know, in the books, he's, he's, a, he's a character, he's, he's a man who cries, you know, and he's made fun of for it, but he does. And I, I like that in, in, in him, and I liked him welling up, and obviously he tries to control it in that particular situation, because he's in front of the queen, Jorah, and he wants to control himself. But I like to think that he, you know, had a nice cry for a minute. He did, before <laughs> he went and did anything else. I don't know. If we consider John's reaction, I think we'll we'll hold off on most of John's reaction because we haven't really gotten to see most of it yet. His reaction is kind of cut short. Um, he's mm. just now begun to process. We don't. He hasn't even talked about how this affects his relationship with Danny yet. So we can hold off on some of that since we're a little short on time. We'll, yeah. we'll skip that from now. Mm-hmm. Point from Patrick Sponagle, though. John sure does need some ghost cuddles right now. <laughs> Sam needs to go cuddle Gilly. John um, can go cuddle Ghost. Yeah. And there's a nice bit of cinematography here, too. Um, when John finds out, if you look in the background there... I mean, mm-hmm. I thought I had, a, I thought I'd, I'd, I guess I didn't get it into the episode, but um, it moves from having Ned's statue in the background mm. to having Liana's statue in yeah. the background as he learns. That's and you cool. You brighten it up a bit to see it, but it's definitively, it looks like that. So that's pretty neat. Good job, show. That was well done. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, one theory suggested here uh, by our co writer, Joe Buckley, is that maybe John will tell people mm-hmm. his friends not to spread this news mm. the problem may be that it might be too late like if sansa say say Bran, uh sam tells sansa and she tells other people then it will be the cat will be out of the bag so to speak but that's interesting but it might be uh that might be a good way to go for john he because we know i think all of us agree that john does not want to take the throne and he no. may this may be a way yeah. for him to avoid ha- you know being forced into it or something well the one thing that I, I think we should, we have to remember in terms of the books is that John was just like Bran raised on the story of Rhaegar kidnapping and raping Lyanna. You know, that, mm-hmm. that whole thing we see early on, Robert was betrothed to marry her, but Prince Rhaegar carried her off and raped her. I mean, John's not going to be able to forget that instantly, that if that was a lifetime of thinking that's what happened, he's going to hear this news and just there's going to be this huge cognitive dissonance for him. And of so course, very likely. 
And of course, there's that moment where he straight up thinks he is an incest baby. <laughs> yeah. Your mother was Lyanna Stark. And John's like, wait, oh, no. does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, it wasn't your parents that committing incest. It's you committing incest. <laughs> what a what a wave of realization. There. He, is oh. still, he is still an incest baby, just not quite as directly. Yeah, it's. True, a little further back. There's, there's always incest in Westeros. Uh, <laughs> Incesteros. So a couple of super chats from Chris Trombley. Uh, thoughts about Robin Aaron of the Vale reunion? I don't think we're going to see him again at all, to be frank. Um, and I, it's funny, we I mentioned briefly on, on our show only review that uh, we're doing a fantasy. We're, we're on the Verge's Game of Thrones Fantasy League. And you draft characters, and Robert, uh, Robin, Aaron, I ranked last out of all the characters for fantasy value. Uh, <laughs> I don't expect him to have not, sex, to kill anyone, to be resurrected, to he tell might a joke. Die. Yeah, but it has to but be memorable. Yes, that has to be memorable for it to get points. I don't. Yeah, I don't even. Uh, yeah, I think ra- rating him last was correct. <laughs> and also, fun thought, Bitterstale saying to people what Davos said about John. Not because of his birthright. He has no birthright. He's a damn bastard. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. John should just be turning that around. That's how he should be selling the fact that he's not, doesn't deserve the throne. He's like, I know, I'm a bastard. Danny's she's got the birthright. <laughs> Okay, so the next little section, uh, brief section, we've got what we're calling the uh, Ariasinal. <laughs> Because Arya is really, really well equipped these days. She's got her. She has so many weapons. She doesn't even have time to explain them all to John. Uh, needle and the cat's paw dagger, and now she's got this staff thing that uh, Shay is going to put on screen, I believe. Or did we not have that? Uh, we one? had it in the you first didn't have that episode. one. Okay, it's, we just had it already in episode one. So I was like, yeah. why do it again? It looks like uh, it has two ends. Maybe it's kind of it's kind of hard to tell. I think it's got two ends, two blades on it. Isn't that and, the same uh, thing that uh, Simeon Star Eyes? Exactly, well, yeah. Really so that's I what made me give me those vibes. You were like, that isn't two yeah. ends after all when I showed you the image. But looking again, it looks like there isn't a blade on one end, but it looks like there's a slot for holding something, like maybe the dagger or something like that. We'll oh, have to see. steel on one side and obsidian on the other. Yeah, oh, we'll have to see. But <laughs> I, I definitely, like you said, Lady Gwen, it gave me Simeon Star Eyes vibes. So, uh, I, which makes it more likely. <laughs> I really appreciate it. She says, like, here's my wish, right? Two things. One, think of her wishes granted by Jaken, by Jaken there. <laughs> she always oh, wow. has her wishes. So I just, her, her, you know, brought me back to that. That's, that's um, funny. Good call. But also, I really wish, like, Gendry, I wanted her wish to be like, my wish is for you to distribute this to the most, the best members of the army. Everyone you know? has I, 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 he doesn't have time to maybe get everyone, but at least, like, some people should have some spears with dragonglass and all that. And as always, I'm still very much on board for Arya killing the Night King in the show. Yeah, I'm still there, too. Still like that. Like Dark it. sister, stab, backstabbing. And we got some foreshadowing of her, John saying, how did you sneak up on me? And uh, if she doesn't at least backstab a walker, if she doesn't backstab the Night King, I, she's got to backstab one of the walkers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She got to backstab somebody. That's she. That's yeah. the sneak. She sneak, sneaks up on. John's gonna get turned, and she's gonna have to. She's gonna have to do it. <laughs> twice dead. So we have this shot of a dragon glass axe, which yeah, is this pretty is Sandor's axe here. Um, this is a little shout out to makinggameofthrones.com, which is you know the official you know making of website. But they have some always some really interesting like better you know images of costumes and 
weaponry mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it's all, yeah. after every episode, I, I highly recommend um, throughout the week checking Making Game of Thrones for some good interviews and, and uh, photography. The idea of Dragonglass Axis in the books, maybe? I think no. I don't think... I think that they're, the show is taking a few liberties with Obsidian, which I don't mind because George did too. It's not a complaint. It's just a pointing to a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, Someone's going to get that Valyrian Steel Axe, though. That is, See, that's where I'm going. I think it's because Valyrian Steel has been foreshadowed more as a thing in the, sh- in the books. I think that's where the show is going to... Or that's where the show and books diverge a bit, is that no mm-hmm. doubt Dragonglass will be important in the books, but I think it'll be more of a mix of Dragonglass weapons and some Valyrian Steel weapons and and the show is kind of shoving the Valyrian seal off to the side. It's the law of conservation of metal, of special metals, it's special, metals, <laughs> special right. materials, of it's fantasy materials. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we sure did get a lot of mileage out of the law of conservation of X, didn't we? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It says here, here we go, from Vanity Fair, Joanna Robinson's interview with uh, Tommy Dunn. Cool. Um, it is specifically that... Uh, calls it that it's a showstopper weapon and tommy dunn says there's one creation in season eight that is absolutely phenomenal it'll be a showstopper that was great to finish it was great to make great to design and that it was able to be re- reverse engineered and made into two different items well so a showstopper not a book stopper so that's yeah. a clue um it says it looks like a spear-like <laughs> weapon that can unscrew into being two short-range stabbing weapons as well cool a short a double-ended spear that can act as two daggers one is the dragon glass, and as people wonder if what what on what is on the other side, um, you know exactly. There's some options, but that is better to hear Tommy Dunn's all again. Why I um, said that you guys should check out um, Joanna Robinson's still watching podcast coverage because right she on. is interviewing the cast and crew. Right. <laughs> I just see in the notes here that I wrote, Arya's staff gave me some... Simeon Star Eyes vibes. Exactly. That's what exactly the sentence that it. I did not finish yeah, typing. I knew when you were going to You knew. Yeah, you already knew what I was going to write. <laughs> yeah, oh, and somehow I I just... Like, you got there too. Ooh. You knew. You, yeah, you I had the same the idea. <laughs> the vibe. Um, uh, yeah, I had one more thing about this this scene. It's Arya, sure. unrelated to weapons. and But we were speaking of wishes. Yeah. She says she has a wish. I, I cannot pass this by without commenting yes. on the Princess Bride reference mm. where uh, Gendry says to Arya, as you wish, milady," which is so obviously a nod to Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it was very nice. I liked that yeah. reference to it. I like that's, you know, Gendry's awkward compliments to Arya in general. Mm-hmm. A nice little sweet interlude for the two of them, I think. And, you know, George dropped a uh, another maybe subtle Princess Bride reference in the histories there with the Shrouded Lord and the yeah. Dread Pirate Robert. Because it's the Shrouded Lord is just a different person that takes up that mantle. Just like right. the Dread Pirate Robert. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course, I like, got sort of a real thing, too. But it makes sense, like... If I can call myself this famous dead person that no one knows is dead, then I get to just, you know, take his reputation and people are going to be afraid of me right away. Makes sense <laughs> for pirates to do that sort of thing. Anyway, that's not off topic at all. Yeah. No, not even a little. <laughs> that is super, super chat. chat from Vanessa Lay. Love your reviews. Book to show is my favorite. So wonderful. Be back for the final season. Thank you for all your amazing content. Well, thank you very much, Vanessa. That's very thankful. Uh, very, uh, generous of you and we're very happy to be back with all y'all as well it is super fun playing with this new material and all the discussions it is generating are exactly what we hoped for 
Okay, let's uh, probably don't have a whole much more time for the no. north. Let's try to blaze through We're some of this King's Landing two stuff. Hours. Yeah. Just barely, though, because we started late, and it's okay. So yeah, we did. Uh, you're right. You're right, actually. King's Landing. Let's talk about Yara's rescue, which uh, it was a very brief captivity, right? Yeah, it's mainly just an uh, you know expository tool, yeah. spe specifically in this episode. Uh, yeah. It was another one of those, like, okay, we get it. But we got those cool cameos, right? Yeah, we got to see Mac and Martin Star. Wasn't that Den didn't they say Dennis was in there too? Rolling Stones said Dennis was in okay, there too. Okay, I, I don't know. I don't I know. Couldn't I couldn't see the bottom. Him. I couldn't get to a shot, a clear shot of him, regardless. In so. any case, it was fun to, to have that. Mm. Um, but so this is an interesting adaptation because you know the show has gone there. I had to go their own way on some of this because they did so much, so many different things with Stannis. But I don't think Euron's very likely to capture Yara in the in the books. But Yara is captured by Stannis. And that just that captivity just so happens to include Theon. So the idea of them escaping together yeah. could be the the parallel here. Um, However, the idea of them escaping to go do these particular things doesn't seem quite like they're placed at this point to yeah, do that. It's, it's to tricky want to, to do that, unpack to have this, that yeah. motivation. But there's other things they can do along the way. Yeah. So like in the show here, Theon heads north after rescuing Yara, and but in the books they're already there. I don't know if they're going to leave and then come back, or if they just leave and don't come back, or uh, but there is something that's maybe relevant to the books here, uh, at the very least. I think there's possibly several things relevant, but one comment Yara makes that I think could be very relevant and in, in general, well, I'll, let me, let me say this first before going forward. Uh, the whole comment about islands and a place to hide if, if Westeros mm -hmm. is overrun. She's like, well, maybe people will have to flee to the islands. That is something I could definitely see happening in the books. Yeah. And in the show, they're just doing the law of conservation of Westerosi islands here, because there's quite but, a few other islands to go like, to. We, see, but... we talk about like all the dead things in the water thing, and it's never been clear to me exactly how much they, like, it seems like they generally cannot cross these large bodies of water like that. But maybe but, small ones, yeah. And they could cause issues for trying to get to the islands and stuff like that. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. like, there's specific, like, there's, you know, we saw, uh, I, I, there's reasons why, you know, water seems to make us it, it stops them for the most yeah. part like that's that's not unreasonable so he when, when we heard that in the show my ears perked up i guess okay yeah that may, it does make sense so this is like like i would guess that like bear island no they're not gonna go to bear island it's gonna be too cold uh skagos maybe same problem but like the sisters it might still be too cold but like witch isle and the shields and and the arbor and tarth those are places where humanity could go hide mm -hmm. um yeah 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 now uh but you had, and of course, sorry, Lady Gwyn, I was about to segue to you, but one other thing real quick. Um, mm -hmm. If uh, the foreshadowing in the book seems to be that there'll be this Torgon the Latecomer plot, that, that the King's Moots will be challenged because uh, Theon wasn't able to participate and he should have been able to participate. So they're on the grounds that that would be the grounds that they could kind of nullify the result. Um, but I, yeah, Lady Wayne, go ahead. You had a lot of thoughts on this and some other things. Yeah, I, do, I think I think you're right. I think that's going to be very important, Torgon the Latecomer. But I am more of the mind that that's something that Asha wants to do. Um, mm -hmm. In other words, she'll present it. She'll go and she'll say, "We have to invalidate this king's move because my brother wasn't here," sort of thing. I don't think it's necessarily something that Theon will do or will want to do because he, we know he has this. Just like in the show, they presented it really clearly. He has that kind of being torn between the Starks and and Greyjoys, and I've I've always felt like in the books, 
something along the lines of what's happening in the show that he's going to go back to the Starks, um, this sort of search for redemption. I mean, we saw him almost join the Night's Watch. So um, at one point in the books, I wondered if he's going to do that, that that fits with him going north here. Uh, and in the show, I was very interested to see him using a bow and arrow because there's been this long-standing debate about whether Theon in the books can still operate a bow and arrow that was his big skill he was an archer when we did our theon episode we argued that he could and that not only could he but that he would he would go to the wall or to winterfell or wherever and do something um to something important to save john that he would use a weirwood and dragonglass bow to do something very important now that would actually channel, it would be a, a callback to Brandon Snow's offer to kill the, the Conqueror's dragons with the yeah. with bow and arrow. So what we're we're talking about me and be the one who kills the ice dragon and what a holy heck redemptive moment that would be <laughs> if, if he's the one to kill the ice dragon. So A hell holy moment. <laughs> whole holty. Hmm. I was trying too hard with that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great theory i love it yeah and then you like what do you think it's you think there's probably not that likely in the show though for it to go that way i mean it's it's for sure. theon to do it maybe someone else like yeah i mean it, it could he's he's going there they've yeah. shown him with his bow and arrow they've shown him he actually if so he was in the lead and so if we assume that he was the first the one to shoot the first arrow that they show in that scene mm. uh that went right through a guy's eye <laughs> yeah he is a great shot that's true yeah. <laughs> that's a great point actually yeah so that that scene does reveal that he definitely can not that he lost fingers in the show but it does show that he is still mm-hmm. it reminds us that the dude can shoot a bow <laughs> so if you want to wonder about is that one of the bullet points there <laughs> mm. we go you know like is he going to shoot the ice dragon through the eye with the dragon glass you know yeah. yeah so all right, let's talk about Bronn real quickly. I don't think that um, Bronn is, this plot is super likely to happen in the books the way it's laid out here, but it's not unlikely that Cersei could try to have Tyrion and or Jaime assassinated. I doubt it's the same person sent after both of them. I doubt it's with a crossbow, but uh, she could turn on Jaime when he turns on her. I could see mm-hmm. that. And she's obviously already wants to kill Tyrion, so that's not, <laughs> nothing weird mm-hmm. about that. Um, but, uh, we already had a version of this in the show of, of Cersei sending a kettle black. Well, that never actually happened. Cersei wanted to send a kettle black to kill John. Instead, we got the Bolton sending Locke, which is, I guess, the parallel there. Um, Mm. John didn't even ever that John didn't even know (laughs) that Locke was going to try to kill him. He's like, oh, that Locke dude seemed like he was pretty capable. Oh, he was killed. Oh, well. (laughs) <laughs> he had no idea. <laughs> so, uh, any thoughts on this? Any thoughts on the idea of John, uh, or not John, but Tyrion or Jamie being assassinated? Or, I mean, not that they would succeed, but uh, that Cersei yeah. does something like this? I mean, I, I could see her wanting to, although I I, I don't think Bronn will be the one to do it. I, yeah. I don't think he would even, con- I don't think he's really even considering it. Um, I question, though, Cersei, what the reason why she's doing this because she had them both in her power and she had that little scene with each one of them in the last episode of the last season 
that you know where she could have had either one of them killed she you know she had them both kind of menaced by sir gregor yeah and then, mm. and then let them go so why then turn around and send an assassin after them okay yeah just, uh, that, that makes sense I'm, I'm just i'm just pondering yeah that's all we i think that's all we have at this point yeah well let's move on to cersei then there's not a whole lot to say about that prawn plot um, yeah especially not more than we already covered on Monday. Uh, so Cersei, uh, yeah, like we said earlier, her pregnancy is definitely possible in the books. Um, she's uh, she's got her dress. There's this this scene of her drinking and or several. She's drinking just like she is in the show, and uh, it's ambiguous whether she's pregnant in the books because her dresses are starting to not fit. So it could be the drinking, but it could be the pre pregnancy. So uh, mm -hmm. Lady Gwen, what do you think? There's some. Uh, there's a lot here um, to unpack. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, well, I, I alluded to this earlier. I, I think her drinking in the books is kind of explained um, by her being clueless. I mean, or if or her, the pregnancy idea, you know, I just think she's kind of clueless in the books and she's arrogant enough to assume that she's controlling whatever her risk factors are. So mm. uh, I think that'll that's the way that'll go. But in the show... I we wondered if this whole thing was a ruse all along, uh, especially when Sansa says to Tyrion, "You didn't believe her." Then we started, <laughs> you know, she could have played Tyrion right from the start, and she could have played Jamie. She would have been playing Jamie in order to try and manipulate him into staying, and Tyrion in order to manipulate him into leaving, along with his pet dragon queen and her. Dragons. Yeah. Like, okay, maybe if I can convince them to leave, that there's just sort of damage control at that point. Um, Let me jump in a sec. There's a little bit of confusion from the uh, some material that leaked, not leaked from the future, but leaked from scripts that weren't used from last season. And there's some notes in those scripts that seem to indicate that Cersei was not trying to fool Tyrion. Mm -hmm. um, and that, which means that she was pregnant. Plus, there's that clue where Jamie walks in the room and he can't hear what they're saying, but mm -hmm. the dialogue says that Kyburn is asking, sir, they're talking about the pregnancy. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense for them to be whispering about it for no one to hear if it's not real. Right. But you're right that the manipula, all that stuff about manipulation is still in play, at least to some degree. Um, so, it, right. Like, I, I say, like, there's no reason that she wouldn't so she's pregnant yeah uh she there's no reason why she wouldn't use a pregnancy for those same reasons for the manipulation absolutely um she's her lesson to to sansa about you know women's weapons i mean she talks about tears and she talks about sex and really pregnancy is another aspect of femininity that she could be weaponizing in some yeah. way absolutely um, like you're on if she's afraid of you're on turning on her one thing he will not do is turn on her while she's pregnant with his a kid that she mm -hmm. thinks is his and that's the key right the he yeah. thinks it's his that's yes. a big key isn't it yeah yeah i i love i actually so in spite of we had this whole conversation but then i um i saw you talking about you know this idea that she's trying to pass the child off as Euron's and honestly that makes so much sense because she's done this before it's, yeah. it's her mo right mm -hmm. um, which then made me wonder if she's pregnant in the books who will she name as the father because oh, she's yeah. a, i mean she kind of arrogantly goes around saying that you know oh i can be with jamie because for whatever yeah. i can do whatever i want but i mean would she is she really gonna yeah. just say well yeah it's jamie's kid huh. you know yeah it, that's a good point 
I wonder about that. Yeah, maybe maybe she will. Maybe she wasn't have much choice. Like the alternative, you raise a great question. What is the alternative? Who else can she name as, yeah, the, as the father? Yeah, wow, good point. Kettle black. I mean, that's what it say. <laughs> but the yeah, but the book also has um, foreshadowing for Cersei losing a baby uh, potentially. Mm-hmm. Of course, almost multiple foreshadowings for it. Really, the the main one being the Valonqar says she'll have three kids, so that means she can't yeah. have another kid if the Valonqar prophecy is accurate in the books, which I have no reason to doubt. Second of all, there's that scene where she's served breakfast and she cracks an egg open, and it's a bloody half-formed chick. Which is mm. a, like a you know that's a stillbirth kind of thingy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, so the idea of her being pregnant in the books very solid, but yeah, the idea that the baby a baby is actually born uh, very unlikely, I think. Yeah. Now here's um, uh, another thought here. I'm not going to get into this. Just want to reference it because we're short on time. We talk quite a bit about Cersei's parallels to Reyna, the Queen in the West, during our Fire and Blood coverage, so I do recommend you all check that out. And we'll probably have more thoughts on that as this plotline develops, uh, as we see what happens with her and Euron and, and other things as, as the season moves forward. So we'll, we can come back to that later, another season. Another yeah. another season. I mean, another week. <laughs> we get uh, more mention of the fact that there were no Golden Company elephants, right? And... Uh, Obviously, there's been lots of memes about this, but at Drafturgy, who you remember did all of that sea snake art for us mm-hmm. and has other lovely art as well, um, points out that the sea snake, I started doing it on accident, <laughs> that the sea snake's elephants did not fare well during long sea travel. And so there is precedent for it's this. It's true. It is at least supported historically. Yes. And it makes sense. Why would you know elephants on uh, ships? Yeah, it sounds pretty bad. Um, for the same reason that we this Euron plot is just developing as far as how things are going, we'll go ahead and uh, hold off on discussing him for now. Just, But we will say that the idea of Euron marrying Cersei is not new in the books, nor is the idea of him having a kid with her. Because one thing we know for sure, Euron wants Daenerys in the books, but what happens when he fails? He's One of the main reasons he wants Daenerys isn't just the dragons, is he wants an heir worthy of his goals and if he can't get an heir off of Daenerys then well Queen Cersei is a pretty good you know second prize (laughs) Uh, (laughs) she'd love to hear that yeah right god she would hate that I know Cersei's like you do not say that about me Wildfire um, to you. <laughs> yeah. Kyburn's Ky- another one we'll hold off on talking about too much today. I just want to say that it was interesting that he seemed genuinely concerned about the wall falling. Uh, mm. So, hmm, we'll have to see what happens there. So let's talk about Last Hearth. Uh, Ashay is going to put up a shot of the map here. We got the last, we can see Last Hearth clearly. Coming can, from Eastwatch by the sea. Yeah. Just because in the show, that is where they came from. Yeah. And you can see they're going down to Winterfell, but we have questions of whether they'll, you know, want to branch off towards any of these other locations at all, whether in the book specifically, but also in the show and the islands and whether they can get to those islands that we see off the coast. Um, So hopefully Mm -hmm. that's that's somewhat clear to anyone viewing. Uh, One thing Fire and Blood mentioned, highly relevant, probably not for the show at this point because it doesn't seem to to matter. But for the books, they talk about the sea freezing. In the in fire and blood, so uh, I don't know if it's going to freeze. Like Ashea said, it seems kind of unlikely for the sea to freeze all the way to Skagos, but uh, it's not impossible. Uh, but more likely, we'll see rivers freeze over the last river and uh, the White Knife, things like that. That's a lot more likely to freeze over. Mm. 
Um, so in the books, uh, we can hope that Dolores Ed and Tormund are still alive at this point. Tor- Tormund is a fairly different character in the books, but um, not, not maybe not super different. He's just older and has kids and stuff, but he's still kind of a similar kind of like funny guy that still fights really well that John likes. And yeah, I don't know. He's still fairly similar. Uh, so Last Hearth makes sense, though, for their first target in, in the books as well. Don't, would you guys agree with that? Yeah. Post, post the wall. I mean, it's really the yeah. next, next play, big I mean, thing other than Mol- them like hitting Molestown Mol- or something. Mol- yes. Yeah. Oof, yeah, poor Molestown. They got attacked by wildlings. Now this is far worse. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And um, one something I alluded to earlier, one clear difference is this probably isn't a huge factor for how this plot line can go. But uh, Great John is still alive in the books, although he mm. is a captive. And Small John is dead. So it's the opposite of the show where Small John turned traitor. We can't, we can't have that in, in the, the books. Small John is dead. And the idea of Great John turning on the Starks is just unfathomable, really. Uh, but there are these other Umbers, Moors and Hother, who are absolutely active right now. Um, and one of them could be... Uh, could turn on the Starks potentially. We could get that Rickon plot that way, but I just don't think so because that's got Davos involved. And anyway, um, we have a note here about so that you mentioned Shay in the beginning the uh, the spiral thing yeah. for Last Hearth. Uh, no, that's not a thing in the books. Not that a thing we know in the books, of. Right. It's specifically a thing that they mentioned how they threw that in. Like they asked the the showrunners if they could do it, and they were like, "Yeah, great idea. We love that little Easter egg." You know. Yeah. So it was this the people who made it. Who, who did this um but yeah so it was, it was definitely it was interesting if there's some actual significance to last hearth um but no i don't think it there is mm. uh lady Gwen, what do you think about um this this umber scene uh to this point uh, well i mean in terms of the show um you know when they, they sent little ned umber back to little lord umber <laughs> back to people and i i felt like i had this kind of you know what i call the uh-oh feeling but i i wasn't I didn't really think about it that clearly, but now knowing what we know about the, the intro part, um, mm. I think we should have been more mm. of the DEFCON level of, Rah! he's dead meat. They had this little kid <laughs> cutely poke his head out from around the corner yeah. of the big dude. Know, of course that still, kid's like, going to die. Looking. He was really cute kid. <laughs> Just like little, oh, he was adorable. And I, I didn't really give him a second thought other than like, oh, that seems weird. Yeah. Just send that kid off by himself. Well, yeah. I don't know, but so I think you know what we have to just worry about is anyone who's in that path. Yeah. And so we, books. yeah, so we saw Alice Carr Stark. She made it to Winterfell. Not that that mm-hmm. I mean, Winterfell seems like there's an imminent threat of its own, but she did make it to Winterfell. And um, Rob, but meanwhile, like Robert Glover, he doesn't. You know, mm-hmm. like he stays in his keep in that scene we talked about earlier. So I am wondering if we'll specifically see a scene of him being killed or re- fallout reaction or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, but um, Alice Karstark, a little, a little neat little parallel scene for me was uh, we see Alice arrive when Tyrion is commenting on the Karstark sigil. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is a little, um, you know, similarity to he did the same thing with Podrick and Bronn when they were awaiting the Dornish contingent, just, you know, critiquing sigils, talking about sigils mm. and what's, what, you know. <laughs> and he, like, said, he, ta- he like, specifically yeah. compliments the Karstark nice sigil. sigil. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, a sigil, uh, you know, Tyrion is, you know, a, ser- a sigil aficionado, I think. <laughs> uh. Yeah, there's that scene in the books where he's asking Pod to name all the sigils from the Dornishmen or whatever. Yeah. And it's he's in the like, show, too, but yeah. Oh, that's true. You're right. It's in both. But 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 the particular line is yeah. not in the show, uh, which is that Tyrion thinks to Tyrion says out loud, "I couldn't have named them all myself," and he was lying. He could have. <laughs> he just wanted Podrick to feel nice. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, another interesting thing about this um, little Lord Umber scene is that um, Paula Fairfield, that you know, is the noise you know designer for the, the designer. show. <laughs> noise designer. <laughs> and I just mixed up her noise girls, her uh, name on Twitter. Oh, that's right. Yeah, noise girl, just, that's right. And that's why I just was like going to say at noise, but I was like, I should just say at whatever. Um, but she sampled um, some different people, different fans for the screeching sounds that little Lord Umber made, including Sam from Burlington Bar and whatnot, at Kind of Cool, who we know from Con of Thrones and that sort of thing. But uh, that's what they do is they mix and sample a bunch of screeches to make one like otherworldly ridiculous yeah. screech uh so, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so the actual it's moving forward in this scene here that's a good take by shea there we have um this uh the discovery they run into you know you get the vibes from season one episode one that resolve in this kind of uh, horror moment here as far as the symbol and the burning of the symbol, that is something we're going to talk about on Saturday. We'll have LML as a guest, and we're going to get into that, so we're not going to give in our short time here. We won't talk about it now, but just FYI, join us on Saturday for a very full discussion of that. Um, it's a very good theory, very interesting, good thoughts that apply both to the books and show. Uh, but for <laughs> now... Um. Yeah. The uh, who's the art coordinator for the White Walkers? Eh? Yeah, right. like, which one has that role in particular? Where they're like, okay, we're gonna place this leg here, and these are gonna be all arms. You know. So. <laughs> I see uh, a couple people in the chat have mentioned how there's some vibes to the creation of the Night King in that scene, like how he was pinned down and held down and then impaled, mm-hmm. sort of, which is what. Mm-hmm. Ned Umber has happened to him in this yeah. scene. He's Night King wants reparations. Yeah, he's what happened mad about. To him. He wants to be restored to being a human, and he wants people to know this was a terrible travesty. Maybe he's suffering, yeah. and he wants to be put out of his misery. Yeah, it's just yeah. like the lion with a thorn in his paw. <laughs> Poor Night King. He's just yeah. misunderstood. He's just got a thorn like in his chest or whatever they were. You know, they like inserted the dragon. <laughs> you see those ridges there. coming out of his head? That's yeah, painful. He just, yeah, some help. Begging someone to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Please, it's been 10,000 years. I can't see the sun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Uh, you want to go through some of these parallels? Yeah, let's do this like, real quickly. Like, run through these parallels, yeah. Like alternate, like I do one set, and then you do one set, and then Lady Gwyn or something? Okay, sure. So, so okay. here are all okay. the episode one, season one parallels okay, to I this got episode. These okay, season one, Bran climbs tower to see King Robert arriving. Season eight. Young boy climbs tree to see Queen Daenerys arriving. Season one, Arya joins crowd to watch procession arrive. She sees the hound. Season eight, Arya joins crowd to watch procession arrive. She sees Sandor. (laughs) Season one, King and Queen meet Starks lined up in courtyard. Ned says, Winterfell is yours. Catelyn asks, where's Arya? Season eight, King and Queen meet Starks lined up in courtyard. Sansa says, Winterfell is yours. Jon asks, 
Where's Arya? <laughs> yeah. Season one, best friends talk in the crypts about Lyanna Stark and Rhaegar Targaryen. Season eight, best friends talk in the crypts about Lyanna and Rhaegar. Nice. Season one, two Starks, male and female, talk by the Weirwood, Ned and Catelyn. Season eight, two Starks, male and female, talk by the Weirwood, John and Arya. Uh, season one, a potential marriage is discussed. Sansa and Joffrey and Danny and Drogo. Season eight, a potential marriage is discussed. Danny and John. Yes. And by in both yeah. cases, it's not the yeah, it's someone, not, else, discussing someone else discussing someone else's marriage. Yeah. yeah, they don't it's have their own agency in it. That's true. <laughs> season one, John makes a new animal friend, Ghost. Season eight, John makes a new animal friend, Rhaegal. Nice. <laughs> On you, is oh, yeah, season one, Danny rides her silver for the first time. Season eight, John rides his dragon for the first time. <laughs> season one, White Walker are out of body parts, child white. Season eight, White Walker are out of body parts, child white. Oh, to add to that one, in both oh, times, yeah. it's behind the person who's oh, the yeah, camera's like, focused on it. They like turn around and there's a child <laughs> white. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, season one, Tyrion is upset with Jamie for not knowing when to knock when getting busy. Season eight, Bronn is upset with Kyvern for not knowing when to knock when getting busy. <laughs> That's funny. I just reduced it to brothel scene. Brothel, yeah, brothel scene, but you're scene, right. It's more. It's even closer than that. Interrupt him. Season one, Jamie's appearance is concealed and then revealed. Helmets. Uh, yeah, he pulls his helmet off in that moment. Yeah, and then season eight, Jamie's appearance is concealed and then revealed with a hood. Of course, season one ends with Bran and Jamie. Season eight ends with Bran and Jamie. <laughs> And season one, a theme of execution and the rights of a lord or queen to do so. And season eight has a theme of execution and the rights of a lord or queen to do so. Good call. Season one. Uh, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Season one, incest, Jamie and Cersei. Season eight, incest, John and Danny. Yeah, right near the end of the episode, too. <laughs> That's pretty gross. cool. Also, from episode two, season one, episode two, John says goodbye to Bran via forehead kiss. Mm -hmm. And season eight, John says hello to Bran via forehead kiss. And then also, John says goodbye to Arya, gives her a big hug, in which he picks her up and gives her needle. And in season eight, John says hello to Arya, gives her a big hug, in which he picks her up, and then they talk about needle. So, well, quite a lot. Pretty uh, good, a yeah. Lot, a lot, a lot. So yeah. I, th I thought that was a, a neat thing. Way more than I thought. Like, Sean and I rattle off maybe half of those, and some of those we didn't get the full detail on. So, good job. Good job. Uh, okay, well, let's say some thanks. Um, sometimes we'll do good, bad, and the ugly. Sometimes we'll do worry of the week, but we won't this time. Worry of the week okay. probably hasn't changed much from our preseason predictions. Yeah. Um, yeah. And good, bad, and the ugly, we'll just have to skip that because we have taken too much time. Um, yes. So We're let us... Two and a uh, half hours. <laughs> yeah, let's do some shout-outs for thanks and stuff. Thank you, Lady Gwen, for coming. Um, we'll see you next Wednesday as well, right? Yes, <laughs> yes we will. Excellent. <laughs> Every we'll time. see her in person. Yes, and I said Firecon. Oh, we'll see. I will see you next Wednesday and then next Thursday. Yes, I will. I'll see you next day. We'll see you in person. I know. We'll have a, we have a panel together and everything. <laughs> yep. And I That's do. right. Yep. Thursday. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's so crazy. Don't even remind me. Don't remind me. No, oh, next Wednesday. We can't go this late. I have to leave at five in the morning. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you there. <laughs> Boy, that's a whole different consideration, isn't it? <laughs> Someone, so. someone brings up the idea of Jamie pushing Bran in his chair. Yeah, just around. pushing his chair over. No, no, just, well, no, just like idea of him just like pushing him around oh. the courtyard. He's pushing oh, Bran. Kind of that's your punishment. You have to yeah. wheel him around. That's Katie uh, that's a funny idea. That was one of the memes going around. Like, how is he getting her? Like, is, is, is Winterfell like, really like, like set up for... Handicap accessible. Handicap <laughs> wheelchair accessible. Yeah, how's he doing? Uh. <laughs> 
Okay, so uh, thanks, y'all. Thanks to everyone who watched us live. Thanks to all this for all the super chatting. Thanks for all the great questions. Thanks to all our patrons. Thanks to uh, Michael Klarfeld for the video intro and check out his uh, short film, which is uh, linked in our Facebook Alone. group. Yeah, it's called Alone. Alone, you can find yes. It there. So, uh, yeah, and of course, check out our Facebook group. Uh, you have to answer a, a couple of easy questions to prove you're not a bot. Uh, but uh, that's why those questions are there. Uh, but we have lots of fantastic discussions going on about season eight and about other things, um, book stuff, and uh, lots of discussions. Many, many good discussions are happening at all times on our Facebook group page. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, yeah, so let's say some thanks to some okay. patrons. Thanks to uh, Lord Mark of House Joseph, the Snow in Winterfell, writer of Maslacartho, a white dragon with green scales, horns, wings, and talons. Uh, Jinx of House Lier, Green Queen of the Rainwood, rumored daughter of a woods witch, writer of Erogenia, the Sylphic Albino Dragon with amethyst eyes and opalescent wings, as well as our live studio audience. <laughs> Peers of the realm include the mysterious BR, Hand of the King. Um, the Smiling Wolf, Lord Stephen Stark of the Broken Tower, soldier, scholar, philosopher, diplomat. Hand of Queen Ashea, who is known as the best. Really sounds like he's the best with all they those skills, soldier, though. Soldier, scholar, philosopher, <laughs> diplomat. <laughs> that is quite a lot a lot of skills. That's pretty badass. Uh, Lord Jim, the fortuitous of Wars and Politics of Ice and Fire blog in Warden of the West. Uh, Lady Gwen, we recorded an, uh, an episode with him and Stephen Atwell recently, didn't we? Yeah, we sure did. Speaking of Ice and Fire Con, it was uh, an expansion of the panel we did with Lord Jim last year at Ice yeah. and Fire Con. So. so he says he's working on editing that, so we should have an announcement on that one. A little kind mm -hmm. of, basically kind of a bonus episode of sorts, uh, we could call that. Um, yep. I don't actually know where it's going to be released, but we'll let you all know. <laughs> the we internet. Know. It'll that? be out there the somewhere. Internet. On the, the internet, internet. Ashaya says. Yes, that is accurate. Right. Yes. Also, thanks to Lord George Stormsville the Cunning, Lord of the Chiliad and Warden of the East. Kabeth the Unfrozen, Lord of the Bricks and Castle Crimson Light, Defender of the Old Gods and Warden of the North. Thanks for the question today. Lady Kelly McMath of Covington is Lady of the Villa Hills and Crescent Springs, a Warden of the South. Lord James Tuttle is King of the Stepstones and the Narrow Sea, Commander of the Royal Fleet, consisting of the Narrow Fleet led by Flagship Caraxes and the Bloodstone Fleet led by Flagship Prince Damon. He's a bit concerned over this news that the Fighting. narrow sea can freeze. Oh, the narrow sea, yeah. <laughs> that would really screw up his uh, his 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 business if the <laughs> if the narrow sea was frozen. <laughs> King beyond the wall, Sydney Jesse is the Fallborn, Lord of Blue Spring and the Haunted Forest. Wields a dagger of dragon glass and the Valyrian steel blade, Red Frost. He doesn't understand all this conundrum about Valyrian steel and dragon glass. He's proving that a person can have both. And I think Arya might be going to prove that as well. So maybe uh, Sidney Jesse and Arya Stark will uh, commiserate over weaponry. They can discuss their Arya signals. Uh, our small council is led by, or rather includes, Lord Daniel the Sneaky Russian, Master of Ships, Grand Maester Via James, Lord Benjamin of House Hornwood, Master of Laws, Lord Fabian Flowers, the Bachelor of Greenshield, Master of Coin, and Lord Johan of House Orcos, who is called Shadowhawk and Master of Whispers. Uh, lords and ladies in their castles include Lady Dyerliz of Castle Naki, the Alpha Patron, Lord Dan of the Red Mountains and Castle Great Bell, Breaker of the Second Stone. I believe we saw Dan uh, in the chat today. Lord Skip of the Velt is Lord of Castle Ganges. Gregor the Toasty is Lord of the Bread Fort. Uh, Alicia Everlasting of the Green Blood is Lady of Desert Rose. Lord Ryan of Castle Stonegate is Guardian of the Rocky Mountain Pass. Lord Garen de Havilland is of Devil's Hand Keep. 
Ashlyn Winter is the Hawk's Eye, Lady of Castle Skyfall. Lady Mikkel of Moonacre is leader of the Wear Red Protectorate Alliance. The Lord of the Halls of Castle Hillcrest is wielder of the Valyrian Steel Machete Everglaze. Lord Alistair Whitaker is Lord of the Dawnhold. Lord Bemmy Snuggle Bunny is Guardian Ranger of the Hidden Hundred Acre Weirwood. Brian the Defender is Lord of the Spearfort and the Freelands, last scion of Clan McCulloch. The Bastard of the Wolfswood is First Forester of the Old Gods, sworn to House Iron Weirwood. Connor the Dungeon Master is Lord of Catamount Keep and Guardian of the Smoky Mountain Pass. Lady Baelish is Dark Widow of Harrenhal. Neves the Twin-Hearted, suspected skin changer, is holder of Castle Carahel. Sir Valentin of House to Jen is creator of the free game of Thrones Predictions Market. Lady Liana Kelly of Wolf Island is protectress of the Steelhold. Casey Stark of House Acres. Lady Kay of House Archer is Lady of Earthdog Hall, Huntress of the Wolfswood, and Guardian of Maddie Squirrel's Bane, the mighty direweenie. Lady Raywin uh, is the of House Dilsdane, the Star Spear. And Peter Rivers is the Pale Dragon and heir to Bloodraven. Our King's Justice is Sir Troy the Steady, wielder of the Valyrian Steel Blade Fate. Uh, I <laughs> I need to read these for Shea because I forgot to update them. Oh, we have Bloody go. Ben Blackwood, Master of Whispers. Rebea Star Eyes is Lady of Waves and Mistress of Ships, Captain of the Iron Shadow Cat. In the shadows we bear our claws. And she has responded to Denise of Lazar's challenge and is currently backed by such luminaries as Gregor the Toasty, Lord of Breadford. And she has accepted this challenge and asks what kind of lead master of laws just abandons the council and flees to foreign lands. We'll have to find out his response to that. Dennis of Lazar is our former master of laws, but now head of the cell cell company, the Fiery Shepherds, and a sea lord in his own right. Grand Maester M. Elizabeth is middle daughter of Liana Mormont, first lady to forge both the silver and Valyria steel links. Our master of coin is Lady Laura, the Green Willa. <laughs> That's not your full name. I'm still working on it. <laughs> we got to come up with a cool name for Laura. It's it's a good. It's a it's too fun to take lightly. But so far, I haven't been inspired. I don't know about you guys, but I do all my naming like in batches. I'll have like a week or two go by where I do no names, and then I just have like I do like ten or twelve in one day where I'm inspired. But all this all this hype yeah. of season eight has uh, slowed me down a little bit. But it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> Our Lord Commander uh, is Miriam R, uh, backed up by Sir Dolores D, longest tenured White Sword, Willa Crowsbane, Sir Dean the White, Sir George of House Pepsi, and Gregor Snow called Snow Bear. And we have our Queen's Guard. Okay. Lord Captain Commander, you have to read this. Oh. I'm in so much pain right now. Oh, this. I'm sorry. Okay. We have Lord Captain Commander Helm Hema Hellman, the Sellsword Sentinel. Alexander of House Atreides from the Seat of Dune, I Must Not Fear, Fear is the Mind Killer. Becca the Bard is Songbird of the North. Michonne the Melodious is Star of Old Town, Minds Over Masters. Sir Rambo is Knight of House Ganon, First Blood. Sir Leon of House Walker is wielder of the twin Valyrian steel blades Fire and Ice and the Werewood Bow Rain. Amber the Adamant is the Knight of the Mist and Mother of Squids. Lord Commander George the Golden leads the Beard Guard, backed up by Sir Joshua Oakhart the White Oak, Lady Rita of the Copper Mane, the Unbound, Sir Jeff, Warden of the AC, wielder of Triad, Sir Tim Corgyle, Mad Boy of the Western Desert, and Queen Helena von Landstein, parting like it's 1999 since 1980-something. Last but not least... Our History of Westeros Night's Watch is led by Lord Commander Benjamin Umber, the Silent Giant, wielder of the Valyrian Steel Greatsword, Winter's Kiss, First Builder Magor Snow, a.k.a. Magor the Cool, the Fire in the Snow, First Steward Sir Jurion of the Torrentine, called Pale Wind, and First Ranger Sir Source Delica of House Gramercy. Thanks again, everyone, for showing up. Um, well, hopefully uh, we don't keep uh, Shea's tailbone hurting too much next week. 
front row for close to three hours. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I had to sit for hours today already. <laughs> Okay, so, and thanks to Lady Gwen from Radio Westeros. We'll see you next week as well. Next week? Yeah. All right, everybody. Valar, reread us. <laughs> <laughs>